definitely ready to go live. Councilmember Wengraf, can you hear us? Yes, I can. Okay, great. Thank you. And we are broadcasting, correct, Mr. Clerk? Uh, yes. Broadcasting, recording, ready to go. Okay, good evening. I'd like to call to order this special meeting of the Berkeley City Council for Tuesday, September 26, 2023. And the first agenda item is roll call. If the city clerk can please call the roll. Councilmember Kessarwani? Here. Kaplan? Present. Bartlett? Present. Harrison? Here. On? Present. Wengraf? Present. Robinson? Present. Humbert? Present. And Mayor Arrigan? Present. Okay. Okay, a quorum of the city council is present. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll move now to our action calendar, and this is a special meeting of our city council to take up two items. Um, item one is the ZAB appeal for 705 Euclid Avenue, and item two is the ZAB appeal for 1598 University Avenue. As this is a special meeting, we will not be taking public comment on non-agenda matters. Um, so we'll now proceed to our first action item, which is the ZAB appeal for 705 Euclid Avenue, use permit ZP2022. 0104. Um, and um, before we um, uh, open the item, I want to summarize our procedure for the public hearing. Um, first, I'll ask members of the council to make any ex parte disclosures of any communications with any uh, parties or members of the public, um, after which I will turn it over to the planning department to present on the ZAB appeal. And then I will open the public hearing for this ZAB appeal on 705 Euclid Avenue. And we'll go first to the appellant um, or the appellant's representative who will have five minutes to address the city council. Then we'll uh, give the applicant, uh, uh, the project applicant, the opportunity to uh, address the council on the appeal and the project. And then we'll open up for any uh, public comment um, on the ZAB appeal, after which time the council will deliberate and take action on the appeal. So first I'd like to ask, are there any members of the council who'd like to make any ex parte disclosures on the ZAB appeal for 705 Euclid Avenue. Um, uh, members of the council, I believe also may have submitted written disclosures with the city clerk's office, and those are for review with the city clerk's staff, but are there any verbal disclosures that members of the council need to make on the ZAB appeal for 705 Euclid Avenue? Okay, if not, I'd like to now recognize Jordan Klein, Director of Planning and Development to present on the ZAB appeal. Thank you, Mayor Aguim. Good evening, council members presenting for staff this evening on 705 Euclid will be Russell Rowe. Take it away, Russell. Just a moment, my screen just did something funny. Uh, I'm getting a message that I cannot share my screen while there is another participant sharing. I took the clock off. The clock wasn't supposed to be put up, so you should okay. be able to. Let me try again. All right, can you see my screen now? It's not up yet, Russell. It's not. You're not able to see it? No, are you sure that you're sharing? Well, try one more time. There it is. There it is. Okay, sorry about that. 
Good evening, Mayor and members of Council. My name is Russell Rowe, and I'm an Associate Planner with the Land Use Division, and I'll be leading the presentation tonight for the 705 Euclid Avenue project and the appeal of the Zoning Adjustment Board decision. Just a quick outline uh, of what I'll be talking about. First, I'll introduce the uh, use permit application and the project. Um, I'll go briefly through the project timeline, then I'll discuss some recent modifications to the plans. Um, finally, I'll go through the appeal points that were brought up in the appeal letter and uh, conclude with a staff recommendation. The project proposes to construct a new three-story house on a vacant lot in the hillside overlay zone. Um, it includes, uh, in addition, um, administrative use permits for off-street parking and retaining walls in setbacks, as well as another administrative use permit to construct the house with a maximum of about 39 and a half feet, which exceeds the district development standard of 35 feet. The application was originally submitted in August of 2022 and deemed complete in January of 2023. Uh, ZAB held a hearing on April 27th, 2023, in which they approved the project. Then in May, we've received a, uh, a letter of appeal. Um, con uh, after the letter of appeal, we, uh, we received some revised plans from uh, the applicants, which I'll get to in a second here. And uh, that brings us to tonight's hearing. This slide shows the modification of the ZAB approved plans. Those uh, submitted by the applicant subsequent to the receipt of the appeal letter. Um, the penthouse on the roof houses the elevator shaft and stairwell that provide access to the rooftop deck. By comparing the penthouse in these two images, you can see on the, the left, the approved design by ZAB, and on the right, the um, revised design that was submitted in August. The difference is that the penthouse has been moved back about four feet back toward the back of the lot. And what this has done is it has allowed the project to comply with the development standards for the overlay zone, which allow uh, only three stories. Um, this this uh, this move uh, allowed the project to to um, sorry, how would I say this? It's only uh, three. It's only three stories since the move because it now complies with uh, BMC definitions of stories, uh, whereas before uh, the definition. Comparing it to the definition, it looks like four stories. So that's the difference here. I'll now go through the appeal points from the appeal letter. <clears throat> first, the proposed structure, uh, first point was that the proposed structure exceeds the three-story maximum allowed in the district. Um, <clears throat> however, the modified version of the proposed plan, which you just saw, um, does comply with uh, the BMC definitions of stories and does not exceed three stories. 
Appeal point number two was that the project does not protect neighboring properties from unreasonable obstruction of views, light, and air. Um, what's important here is to understand that the BMC does not guarantee that there won't be any effects on views, light, and air. It anticipates that there'll be some effects. Um, and this is to allow flexibility for development of le legitimate residential lots. Um, our analysis of this project was that the effects uh, are consistent with neighboring development and that uh, neighboring properties will still have wide views of San Francisco Bay. Appeal point number three was that the project conflicts with the R1 district's purpose for recognizing and protecting existing patterns of development. Um, in fact, um, three-story homes are the norm in, in this part of Euclid Avenue. Um, and in addition, the applicant submitted street state, state plans uh, that uh, show neighboring homes with roof lines that are uh, similar in height to the proposed project. Uh, therefore, the project is in keeping with the existing development patterns of the neighborhood. Appeal point number four was that the project favors private benefits over of one owner over the interests of the neighbors. Um, what's relevant here is that the project complies with uh, the development standards of the district uh, with the three exceptions I noted earlier for height, uh, parking spaces, and retaining walls in setbacks. Um, but the BMC does allow for these deviations with the approval of the zoning officer and the uh, issuance of administrative use permits, which is the case here. Uh, the final appeal point was that uh, Thab ignored neighbor concerns and denied one neighbor the right to speak at the hearing. Uh, in fact, there was a technological error that prevented a neighbor, Theodore Raphael, from being able to speak at the hearing. However, Zab did receive and consider a letter submitted by Mr. Raphael prior to the hearing. Um, therefore, Zab did get his comments. In addition, uh, other neighbors who uh, did speak at the hearing expressed similar views to those expressed in Mr. Raphael's letter. So given the uh, aforementioned uh, information, Staff's recommendation is that council adopt a resolution affirming Zab's decision to approve the proposed project, but with modifications to move the elevator shaft back four feet, and that council dismiss the appeal. Alternative actions that council consider this evening would be continuing the public hearing, reversing or modifying Zab's decision, or remanding the matter back to Zab. Thank you for your time, and please let me know if you have any questions. Thank you very much. We'll hold questions until after the public hearing. So I'd like to open the public hearing on the ZAP appeal for 705 Euclid Avenue. And uh, first we'll give the appellant or appellant's representative five minutes to address the council. Uh, the appeal was submitted by Shona Armstrong on behalf of Yoshiko Wada. Um, so uh, that five minutes is um, at your discretion, however you'd like to use it. Thank you. Um... Good evening, City Council. I'm Shona Armstrong. I'm an attorney for Yoshiko Wada, who's the next door neighbor to the project. I want to remind you that your review tonight is de novo, so you do not owe the ZAB any deference um, and do not need to defer to the prior decision. 
you're considering the approval of the original project. This is an appeal. So while they seem to have presented a new project, this is not the place or time for that uh, presentation. If they want to modify it and get a new project approved, they should go back to ZAB. Um, significant errors in the earlier hearing demand reconsideration, as we explained. At the ZAB meeting, Ted Raphael was recognized as a speaker, but then ZAB declined to hear his comment. In addition, the project was misrepresented as a three-story project, when in fact it was a five-story project. They seem to have made some changes now. We haven't had a time to review those or to present our public opinions at a hearing on those changes. Um, perhaps they solve the problem, perhaps they don't. I don't think it's the city council's place to make that decision. ZAB should make that decision. Um, the private, prior decision um, uh, ignored development standards that are in place in this district. And this project, as it was approved, obviously violates those standards, perhaps as indicated by the changes they're trying to make now. It serves no public interest. It doesn't offer affordable housing. It doesn't offer multifamily dwellings. It provides no neighborhood amenities or services. This is a favor to one single family home occupant that allows them to deviate from the standards that all the other neighbors in the area are adhering to. The proposed project should be denied because it is too high. It is 120 was 120% of maximum allowable height, and the permit was issued without addressing or even considering this fact. The project had five rather than the permissible three stories, and the project proponent may argue that they've solved the problem. We don't know, um, but uh, they misled the ZAB. Um, the project can also should be disapproved because it violated the Berkeley Municipal Code, which mandates that the project can be detrimental cannot be detrimental to neighboring properties, must recognize and protect the existing pattern of development, must protect adjacent properties from unreasonable obstruction of light and air, should serve the purpose of protecting the character of Berkeley's hillside areas, and must give reasonable protection to views. This project, as approved, does not do these things. And if they want to make changes, like I said, let's go back to ZAB and consider those changes. Thank you. I'm Yoshiko Wada, living at 696 Hildale since 1973. And I welcomed the Coreys. I met them as our new neighbors. But the, the building, we object as a neighborhood. And Ted Raphael, my neighbor, presents his point as our point. Can we get the, the visual connection? She's going to do it. Okay. Good evening. My name is Ted Raphael. I'm the owner and resident of 694 Hilldale, directly next door to appellant Yoshikawada at 696 Hilldale. I have had no contact with any of the parties related to this application. The staff report of April 27th, 2023 on page 11 submitted to the ZAB states the following, quote, staff believes the proposed dwelling would not be detrimental regarding privacy unquote the photo on the screen uh, the photo on the screen shows a view of the story poles from the main deck of our house you can see our dining table and deck railing in the foreground looming over our deck are story poles that outline two stories with two decks that will clearly allow for the obliteration of our privacy. My spouse and I spent five years looking for a retirement home that would provide complete privacy. 
Knowing that the lot at 705 Euclid was undeveloped, we concluded that a house constructed on that site that conformed to the city's building regulations would not threaten our privacy. So we bought our retirement home in good faith. We now face a complete obliteration of our privacy due solely to the applicant's excessive demands for exceptions to the regulations. Approval of this application for exceptions will have an even more dire consequences for appellant Yoshiko Wada. In the second photograph, In the second photograph, the story polls show that her privacy will be obliterated and substantial portion of her views and daylight will be obstructed. There it is. In light of the photographic evidence, how can staff contend that the granting of exceptions to the rules will not threaten the privacy of applicants' neighbors? Your decision in this matter is an easy one. Given the scale of the exceptions sought, it is not a close call. As neighbors, we expected that a house at 705 Euclid would be erected at some point, but we also fully expected Sir, that city officials would safeguard the building thought. regulations by requiring the developer to conform to them. Thank you very much. Okay, um, there'll be an opportunity for any members of the public who support the appeal to provide public testimony after we hear from the applicant, and thank you for your presentation. Um, so we'll now give the applicant five minutes to address the council on um, the appeal on the proposed project. Um, hello, my name is John Newton. I'm the designer of the house, and this is uh, Tariq Corey, one of the family members who will live in the house. Um, I don't know if Russell, can you put the image up that we emailed you? I don't recall getting an emailed image. Oh, okay. Tariq emailed it. That's okay if you can't find it. Basically, I just wanted to um, highlight that I believe that we are um, in line with the hillside regulations. The hillside regulations were developed for lots like this that are steep. Um, in terms of the view, when I was, we were in this very room at the ZAB hearing and I measured this room and Ms. Wada's house is literally the width of this room with a direct Golden Gate view. And we are not uh, significantly blocking her view even to the side. Um, she's about 26 feet away from us. And I think that you'll find that the privacy and the shadowing is not significantly impacting her. And then the other gentleman, I, I believe is over 150 feet away from our project. So um, it feels to me like they, they have gotten used to having a park next to them. And I understand it's not nice, you know, it's not fun having a house built, but I believe that this is a well-designed house and Tarek can speak to this. Yeah, well, I'm just living the uh, American dream here. Uh, we're first-generation immigrants. That's my dad over there, he's gonna live with me. That's gonna be his retirement home um, and for this forever home. So we've uh, trying to play by the rules and uh, be respectful to all the neighbors. Um, this particular property is on a very difficult lot. I'm a civil engineer. Dad's a geotech. I'm a, I'm a civil engineer. Dad's a geotech. So we're basically the perfect people to kind of handle a tough lot like this with a steep slope. And um, well, that's it. Great. Thanks. Thank you.
Uh, you have about three minutes left. Anything else you'd like to add or? Okay, thank you. Um, there may be questions after the public comment portion of the public hearing. Thank you. So now I wanna um, take any public comment on the ZAB appeal for 705 Euclid Avenue. Are there any members of the public here in the boardroom at 1231 Addison that would like to speak on the ZAB appeal for 705 Euclid Avenue? If so, please come forward to the podium. And then we'll go to any speakers on Zoom thereafter. Sorry. Can you hear me? Uh, good evening. Um, I'm an architect working with Yoshiko to help her understand the project that's being proposed next door. Um, there were a couple of items that we weren't able to really cover in our first presentation. Um, one of those is just the absolute kind of looming nature of the project on the street. While it does conform to the letter of the planning code in some respects, the reality of it is that it is in a dip in the topography that allows in an additional story in height that the other buildings next to it don't get. It takes full advantage of that, and therefore you wind up with about 60 feet of facade when you look up from the street. So that is significant in the feel of the building along the streetscape as you experience it. Additionally, uh, we wanted to say that the roof decks on top of this are, they're big, there's a lot of them. And yes, while you know the building itself isn't necessarily situated to look over everybody, the, it, these buildings or these roof decks can accommodate a large number of people. And as you can imagine, they'll probably take advantage of that. We're also concerned about the parking requirements for this. So when these people are having gatherings, getting together, you know, there will be a lot of cars parked along here. So we're also looking at things like wildland urban interface concerns. You know, we, we've had a lot of projects. I've had projects denied being built in the hills simply because the roads aren't big enough to accommodate the fire trucks. If there's a party going on here, which there's likely to be, it's a lovely home. Why wouldn't you have it with these incredible views? I mean, there could be dozens and dozens of cars parked along this. And we feel that the parking really hasn't been addressed very well, neither for the family. There's a lot of bedrooms here, so a lot of people could live here. But then if there are gatherings here, we do have concerns about the wild, uh, wildfire and safety. Thank you. Thank you very much. Kelly Hammergren. Okay, thank you for letting me speak. I just have a couple short comments. Um, I really wish that when we have um, structures in the hillside overlay, we would describe that um, more accurately, which is the very high fire hazard severity zone. And, you know, as we heard from our fire chief on the 19th, although moratorium of building in the hills was not on the table that night, um, it would be something that we really should be considering. We are overdue for a fire. He told us that fires in the hills happen about every 20 years, and it's been 32 years since 1991, since the terrible um, Berkeley, Oakland Hills fire. Uh, this particular piece, uh, this particular parcel, 705 Euclid, 
uh, lies just across the street from the earthquake zones of required investigation. So I suppose it's good we have a civil engineer here because this uh, structure is in uh, the landslide zone. And so I, I think that whatever, you know, would be best if we don't add structures at all in this very high, very high fire hazard severity zone. Um, but if we are going to, we should make sure that um, this is designed for a slide area and that um, the structure itself is built for uh, fire, which we are all of, sadly, will probably see in our lifetimes. Okay, thank you very much. I ask, are there any in-person speakers that want to address the ZAB appeal for 705 Euclid Avenue? Okay, um, we'll keep the public hearing open if there are any questions for staff or uh, any of the parties. And I'll first recognize Councilmember Wangraff. And once again, I, I apologize to my colleagues, um, you know, I'm trying to run the meeting here, but it is, it's unacceptable and outrageous that people are trying to hijack this meeting to say anti-Semitic and offensive things. We have zero tolerance for that. And um, I'm gonna strictly enforce the rules of decorum. About what? Yes, uh, on the ZAB appeal only. Okay, good. I know, I know. Everybody thinks I'm gonna be Dave Chappelle or something. What I see here is I see a family here trying to play by the rules. I recently uh, inherited a house here in Berkeley, California, and I understand that there are a lot of sentimentality. There's a lot of history here. What I see a family is a family here trying to build a house in an area that a lot of times does not re reflect the diversity of Berkeley. A lot, I've, a lot of, I've had a lot of friends grow up in those hills. And what I see here is I, see, I hear an assumption there's going to be big parties, lots of people. This guy's a geotech. I don't think he's going to be throwing ragers. My question is, and, the, and in addition to the fire and the slide thing, we have houses up there that are, have been abandoned that were built you know, in the 1920s. Some of these people live in those types of houses. I personally inherited a house that was built in the 1920s with faulty seismic, electric, and plumbing. The irony is that those houses on either side of this project are more than likely you know, not up to seismic standard to what we require today. And if we're talking about the big one, what, what house is actually built up to code? We haven't experienced a, ma a major earthquake in over a major, major earthquake in over about 100 years. I'm talking about the 1908 earthquake and earthquakes of that larger magnitude that affect a very, very large part of the Bay Area. My question is, what's up with the scrutiny? I don't understand. These, pe these people, as I mentioned at the beginning of my statement, are playing by the rules. They've gone through, these are people who are trained as civil engineers, as geotechs, as the, as the gentleman spoke, these are the perfect people to be building a house of this size. Unfortunately, yes, development is real. You know, the only constant in this world is change. And the, un the what I see a lot of times is that Berkeley does not want to change. The irony is thick. Thank you very much. Um, I do see one additional hand raise, Judy. Te 
I don't believe that that is actually a legitimate person. So we'll remove that person. Um, okay, thank you. Um, okay, public hearing is open. We'll um, hold the public hearing open. Any questions for parties or, or staff? Councilmember Weingraf, I'll recognize you at this time. Um, <clears throat> thank you, Mayor. And um, thank you for uh, chairing the meeting appropriately. Um, this is all very upsetting. Um, anyway, to the project. Um, I have a question for staff. Um, I'm a little confused. Were the amendments to the plans made before or after this project went to the ZAP? The uh, modifications I was talking about came in after the project went to ZAB. Um, they were in response to the appeal letter. And so is there, what is the protocol if modifications to a plan uh, are made, don't, does it have to go back to the ZAB or is it an administrative decision that it doesn't? My understanding is it does not need to go back to ZAB, but perhaps our zoning official or Jordan would like to address that. Yeah, I believe we, in this case, we made the administrative decision that the project was substantially similar and uh, did not need, did not need to be rerouted to the zoning adjustments board. Samantha, do you have anything to add to that? Um, thank you, Jordan. Um, I, the only thing that I would add is also that the um, overall maximum height was reduced from about 42 feet to 38 feet with the movement of the penthouse. Um, and the penthouse was also made smaller in addition to being shifted. And that contributed to the decision to move forward um, to the city council. Okay, so uh, the appellants had no opportunity to address the amendments uh, in a public forum. Is that correct? That's correct. And um, were they informed of the amendments? The modifications, you call them modifications. Were, were, were the neighbors informed of the modifications? Russell, did you communicate with the appellants at all uh, outside of the the the, the notice uh, the noticing for this hearing? I don't recall having done so. Um, so it, it, I, I was assuming that um, you know it was public record. It was in the notice for the hearing. Okay, I I feel like um, <laughs> this is a little irregular. Um, if I, if a project is modified. Um, you know, I think there should be some way of people knowing that it's been modified, those people who are impacted, and they should have an opportunity to have the modifications explained to them, uh, so that they have a better understanding of what the impacts will be on their property. So, um, I understand that you felt that the modifications were improvements on the project, but I don't think that has anything to do with adjacent neighbors being informed. Um, <clears throat> I wonder if um, you could explain to the council how height is measured on a slope. 
Yes, uh, let me see if I can share my screen. Oh, there we go. So um, this slide was really prepared to show the stories rather than height itself, but but um, height is measured now in the hillside. It's it's a, it's a um, average height, not maximum height. And this line here represents the average grade. So height would be measured from the the average grade to the, the, the highest point on the house. Um, does that answer your question? Uh, it's a little complicated. Um, the, the height as you measure it is still over the allowable height. Is that correct? It is, yeah, it's over the uh, development standard. And the development standard is 35 feet? Correct. And the modified design is how many feet? 39 and a half, I think, 39.5, okay, so, something like that. Uh, so pretty close to five feet over. Yes. And that, and that requires a, a variance or? Administrative or use permit. An administrative use permit, okay. And the, the, I'm a little confused about, the, you, you refer to it as a penthouse, but isn't it, or is it the housing for the elevator? Is it mechanical yeah. or is it, or is it other than mechanical? It's mechanical and uh, stairway access. Okay. Um, well, I still think shifting it to the rear is an improvement, but what's missing is that we don't know how that shift will impact uh, the neighbors who are appealing. And I don't believe they know. Um, that's the problem that I'm having is that um, this modification was made without their knowledge and um, without and without being informed. Um, it is a big looming house. I'm very familiar with the block. Um, it will loom over the street. It will also loom over a city pathway that is adjacent to it. Is that correct? There is a city pathway adjacent to it, yes. And what is the setback from the city pathway? Councilmember Council Wayne we'll we'll take a minute to research that specific question and get back to you. Okay, thank you. During the hearing. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Uh, we'll go next to Councilmember Kisarwani, followed by Councilmember Han. Oh, it's Councilor. Yeah, this 
this is not accurate. <laughs> Councilmember Harrison. Thank you. Thank you, Councilmember Kasserwani. Um, I have a question for staff. I've heard reference to both the height where we're being requested to approve an AUP, which has been appealed, and also to stories that is a three-story house. Does one of those guide more than the other? Does it need to be 39 feet to be three stories? So you're asking if if it would have been possible to build it to three stories without going to 39 feet? Yes, I am. That, I don't know. Um, should we ask the architect? I'm happy to direct the question to the architect. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, the height on these sloped lots, because you're averaging the highest point and the lowest point, because it's so steep, you inherently, it, it, it makes it appear taller just numerically because you know, it's so steep and you're, you're measuring quite disparate points. The story thing, to be honest, um, I, I've been doing this for over 30 years in Berkeley, and the old code actually allowed the AUP to exceed the stories. And I have copies of the old code in my office. And then uh, Russell pointed out that, that the new code, at some point it changed, and I didn't catch that. So they just asked me to make a minor modification. I just moved the, the four feet of the elevator tower. So I don't... It wasn't my job to tell the neighbor that, but I don't believe it's that significant. And if anything, we're making it better, not worse. So it felt like, mm. you know, an easy fix for me to make and something that satisfied uh, staff. So, you know, I, I appreciate that. What would be the harm of going to 35 feet? What would you lose in the design? Uh, That's what I'm trying uh, to understand. Well, if you look at the, the section, we're actually digging into the hill at the top like like significantly and we're trying to save the oak tree too so it's just a nature of you know the, the natural grade is so steep there really isn't the opportunity to make it i mean other than digging the house even more into the hill that's the issue all right thank you very much okay um council member han and then councilmember humber yeah thank you um so um the answer about the mechanical, or the, let's call it the penthouse, um, that was given here is different from what I had understood in a private conversation earlier today with the planning director. And I would just like to get um, some clarification. My understanding is that the elevator stop, it's not just the top of a shaft, it's not just equipment to allow an elevator to operate on the floors below. It's actually a place where the elevator opens and discharges people. Um, that that is indeed a penthouse, not a mechanical enclosure, and that it does qualify as its own story. My understanding is that the act of moving it backwards on the roof area makes it so that no portion of that story is stacked over three stories, which would make it a four-story building. So it is it is a story, but because it is offset and does not stack directly above any three-story portion of the building, it is not a four-story building. It's a little confusing, and I think it's a little different from 
from my the understanding I had from how it was explained. Um, Mr. Director Klein, can you confirm that that is the right understanding? Yes, that is correct. Okay, so it's only three stories because the fourth story doesn't stack on top of the bottom story. Um, and it is not just a mechanical enclosure. It's, it has usable space. Um, and I just wanted to, to clarify that. I do have a question for um, um, the um, architect or developer. I'm curious, is there, do we know anything about what color this is gonna be painted? I know that's a small issue, but um, I've seen a trend of bright white houses um and i wondered if it's if it's planned to be sort of a um an earth tone or if it's going to be white not white uh, not white i do uh, do like natural tones so whatever the natural tone of the something color. something grass like colored or earth colored or yeah the, the design the computer model that i designed was an earth tone it, we're not required to submit like a, I a, know. a formal color thing, but it's a good question to, a, to ask. But yeah, it was just for my earth, earth tone. visual visualization. Maybe something like that, a little bit not so dark. <laughs> okay, uh, that's helpful. And there will be landscaping. Will there be landscaping? Um, obviously, fire safe landscaping, yes. but there will be some that 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 might screen some of the. Um, sheerness of new walls they're yes. always sheer um and then just to clarify so the the stairs do the the upper landing is really just a hallway to allow a waterproof uh exit out of the elevator and then the top of the stairs so whether you call it a penthouse or a or just a elevator you know with hallway is what it is so. an, a penthouse for an elevator <laughs> yeah i guess so all right. Thank you. Sounds very fancy, but it's it's a glorified hallway. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to make sure that my understanding of this was correct. Thank you so much. Councilmember Humbert. Yes, thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, uh, I don't have any questions of staff, and I'm going to keep my comments really brief. I, I do understand the appellant's concerns that the new project will have a, an effect on their views, although I don't think it's gonna be in a material effect based on what I've heard, and on the feel of the area around their home. Having said that, this project really to me seems consistent with the massing and size of the other homes in the area. And I think the applicant and staff have done a really good job to ensure the project meets all of the applicable zoning requirements and reasonably minimizes effects on adjacent properties. Um, I'm willing to accept the staff's representation uh, that the changes were not material. And in fact, if anything, they reduce the impact on the neighbors. That makes sense to me. Um, and given the nature of the appeals points and staff's responses and the ZAB vote, um, which was, I think, unanimous with one abstention, I don't see a sufficient basis to deny this project as proposed, and I will vote to dismiss the appeal. Thanks. Okay, thank you. Um, are there, yes, Mr. Klein. Thank you, Mary. Eric, I just wanted to respond to uh, Councilmember Weingraf's question. 
the building is set back from the city pathway by five feet and three inches. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that. There will be major impacts on that pathway from the height of this building and the proximity to the path. But I don't think there's anything we can do about it. Okay. Um, are there any other questions or comments from council members? The public hearing is open. I do so, have a question, Jesse. Yes. Um, I have a question about the size of the decks. There are several decks. Um, can you can you tell me or direct me to a diagram uh, that shows how big the decks are? I don't know if the architect is is has that information handy or again we could uh, we can have staff research that during the hearing and, and get back to it. You don't have um, on the plans the size of the decks? Russell, do you know whether that's included in the packet somewhere? They are dimensioned in the floor plans. Um, unfortunately, my council agenda isn't loading and my printout is too small to read. Um, but the deck dimensions are provided in the floor plans. But uh, um, was there a discussion at the ZAB about the size of the decks? I don't believe there was, not that I recall. Okay, I'm just wondering whether um, whether the decks are um, excessive in size and whether reducing the depth of the decks might alleviate some of the concerns. Is that a comment or a question, Councilman? Well, I, staff doesn't seem to be able to answer my question. So um, I did find the dimensions. They are on page 32 of the staff report. If you want to, do, do you want me to share screen? Yeah, please. Close up. And I don't know if the architect is able to confirm that we're looking at the right thing here. But so, uh, what I'm looking at is the roof deck is seven, is 18 feet essentially by 40 feet. Is that correct? That, that's how it appears to me. That is correct. Okay, and then there's the deck at this at the uh, I guess at the third level. Uh, are 40 feet by, uh, well, it's irregular, uh, 17 and a half feet at one end and 12 and a half feet at the other end. And then is there a deck below that? Or is that, I think that might be it. Oh, no, there's a little deck. Uh, so there's a smaller deck off of the bedroom on the first floor. Um, okay, well, that's a lot of deck space. Um, and I do think 
they're very, very large. But if the ZAB didn't discuss it, um, I guess they felt it wasn't an issue. Um, and I guess I'll, I'll just leave it there for now. I see Russell has his hand up. Yeah, on the decks, um, the architect may want to add to this, but my understanding was they designed it with a lot of deck space because of the steep slope. It didn't allow a lot of good usable open space at the grade level. I have no further questions. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Um, unless there's any further questions or comments, I will make a motion to close the public hearing. Second. Okay, we need to formally close. We we took your testimony. Thank you. Um, unless there's a question, uh, we will proceed with closing the public hearing. Um, so we need to formally close the public hearing in order to uh, discuss and deliberate on the appeal. So um, let's call the roll and close in the public hearing. Councilmember Kesterwani. Yes. Taplin. Yes. Bartlett. Oh, absent. Harrison. Yes. On. Yes. Wengraff. Yes. Robinson. Yes. Humbert. Yes. And Mayor Arrigan. Yes. Okay. okay, the public hearing is now closed. So colleagues, um, uh, now in order to discuss the appeal, entertain motions, um, who would like to be recognized? Councilmember Robinson. I would like to move the staff recommendation to dismiss the appeal and grant the use permit. Second. Okay. We have a motion to second from Councilman Robinson and Humbert to approve the staff recommendation, um, which is to approve the revised um, project, correct? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Uh, any additional questions or comments from city council members? Councilor Humbert, you push your button. Was that to second the motion? Yeah, I was simply going to agree with- uh, Your mic, mic isn't on. I was simply going to agree with Council Member Robinson that it was the revised uh, project. Okay, thank you. Um, are there any other questions or comments? Okay, um, uh, I'll just say that um, uh, going forward, it, I would very much appreciate it if um, if there is a revised design, if staff could proactively reach out to parties to let them know um, that there have been changes to the plans. This is a hearing de novo, so technically council does have the ability to take action on this revised application. It doesn't require a remand, and this is an opportunity for members of the public to express their opinions on that revised plan. But I think as just good, as good sort of customer service, um, I, I think to, you know, to the extent there are revisions, that substantially change the plans, I think it'd be beneficial for parties to be aware of those changes so they have an opportunity to comment on the revised plans. So that is my recommendation. Um, okay, unless there's any further discussion, we will call the roll on the motion to approve the staff recommendation to dismiss the appeal and grant the use permit. Okay, to approve, Councilmember Kesarwani. Yes. Taplin. Yes. Bartlett is absent, sorry. Uh, Harrison. Yes. On, yes. Wengraff, yes. Robinson, yes. Humbert, yes. And Mayor Arrigan, yes. Okay. Okay. The motion does carry. You have your use permit. Thank you all for being here tonight. Uh, we will now proceed to our next agenda item, which is item two: the ZAP appeal for fifteen ninety eight University Avenue. And just want to summarize the procedure uh, for this public hearing. 
I will first ask if any members of the city council have any ex parte disclosures of any communications to, that they would like to disclose for the record. Uh, written disclosures were also submitted with the office of the city clerk and are available for review over there uh, with the city clerk staff. Um, we'll then um, uh, turn it over to the planning department for a presentation on the ZAB appeal uh, and then open up the public hearing. The uh, appellants or the appellants representative will have five minutes to address the city council on their appeal uh, and they can use that time however they so choose. Um, and then we'll have um, five minutes for the project applicant on their application and then open up for a public comment on the ZAB appeal. And then after which time council will um, deliberate and take action on the appeal. So I'll first ask, are there any members of the council who need to make any ex parte disclosures on the ZAB appeal for 1598 University Avenue? Council Member Hahn? Yes, thank you very much. Um, I had a conversation today with Elizabeth Kowal who was representing the appellants and um, uh, ascertained that many of the concerns um, might have risen from confusions about what the final version of the project was that had been approved. I reached out to um, the architect, um, David Trachtenberg, confirmed my understanding of what had been uh, approved and shared that information with Elizabeth Kowal, um, hopefully clearing up um, a series of what seemed like possibly uh, confusions, which are understandable when a project goes through different iterations and, and there's a lot on the table to digest. Um, so that was the extent of my communications outside of this meeting. Thank you. Councilmember Harrison. Uh, yes, I've spoken with the applicant and the appellant, uh, both about the uh, loading zone that's on California. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And also some other design features of the, the portion along California. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any other ex parte disclosures? Okay, um, if not, um, we'll now uh, proceed to the staff presentation. I want to turn over to Jordan Klein, uh, Director of Planning Development, for the staff presentation. Thank you very much. Presenting for staff on this item will be Katrina Lapira, Associate Planner. All right, let me go ahead and share my screen. Give me one second. All right. Good evening, council members. As mentioned, my name is Katrina Lapira, and I'm the planner for the project before you, which is an appeal of the Zoning Adjustment Board's decision to approve a use permit that would establish a mixed-use density bonus project with 207 residential units and over 5,000 square feet of commercial space. In this presentation, I'll share the following information about the project and the issues raised in the appeal, and then wrap up with staff's recommendation. With that, the subject site is located within the University Avenue Strategic Plan Area in a local serving avenue node. The project site is located at the corner of University Avenue and California Street, two blocks south of Ohlone Park. 
The area around this intersection includes one to three-story mixed use and commercial buildings. The rear of the site abuts a residential district, which maintains single-family, two-family, and multifamily residential buildings. Compared to both the eastern and western ends of the specific plan area, the site is located within an underdeveloped section of University Avenue that is characterized by single-story commercial buildings and surface parking, like this before you. The zoning allows for the demolition of the existing buildings and the construction of an 86,808 square foot building at a height of 48 feet, consisting of 138 units and four stories with the applicable use permits. With a density bonus of 50% by designating over 15% of units affordable at the very low income level, the project is entitled to a building of 127,492 square feet at a height of 89 feet, two inches with 207 units with the applicable waivers and concessions. Finding that the project was consistent with the objective standards set forth in the zoning ordinance and the policies of the general and specific plans, SAB approved the project at the hearing on May 11, 2023. Subsequent to the hearing, a notice of decision was issued on May 18th, and on June 1st, 2023, the appellant, Elizabeth Kowal, filed the subject appeal of the project. In review of the appeal, staff identified about five issues raised by the appellant. In the slides to follow, I'll briefly provide a brief description of the issues before you and staff analysis. For the first issue, the appellant asserts that staff failed to coordinate a meeting between the applicant and neighbors prior to the ZAP hearing per the direction of the Design Review Committee. Per the zoning project application submittal requirements for projects of community concern, like a density bonus project, pre-application neighborhood outreach is required prior to the submittal of the application. The project, the project applicant satisfied this requirement by holding a community meeting about the project on March 30th, 2022, prior to the submittal of the application. To reiterate, no additional meeting was required prior to the ZAB hearing. That said, at the hearing, the ZAB did add a condition of approval requiring the applicant to organize a neighborhood, a neighbor applicant meeting to discuss additional project considerations prior to submittal of a building permit. And this is reflected in condition of approval number 16. For the second appeal issue, the appellant asserts that the neighborhood concerns about the project were not addressed by the ZAB. The majority of these concerns were centered on the scale of the project, potential impacts to sunlight, traffic, and parking. During the public hearing on May 11th, the ZAB received and responded to public testimony consistent with the Berkeley Commissioner's Manual. To fully address the concerns raised would result in the reduction of the project density. Since the development is consistent with the Housing Accountability Act, meaning it complies with all applicable objective general plan and zoning standards. The city can only deny the project or approve a lower density if the project poses an adverse impact on public health and safety and or if there is no other way to mitigate such an adverse impact than to deny the project or reduce the project's density. Finding the project HAA compliant, 
Bazaar was unable to make these specific findings for denial and responded to the public accordingly. In the third appeal issue, the appellant asserts that the plans and staff did not provide accurate information about the density and affordability of the project to both the ZAB and the public. Over several rounds of review, staff carefully considered the application materials in accordance with the city's submittal requirements and state density bonus law and found that the application materials to be were accurate and adequate. Concerning the affordability of the project, the density bonus calculations are correct. The percent of affordable units is calculated from the base project density, not the proposed density bonus project, and is consistent with the state density bonus law, and as well as the city's implementation of state density bonus guidelines, which can be found on the city's website. Again, the information about the project was both accurate and adequate. In the fourth appeal issue, the appellate remarks on the lack of neighborhood-specific planning to the Mid-University Avenue area and cites the lack of affordable housing in the project. As noted earlier, the project site is located within the University Avenue Strategic Plan area. The project is consistent with this plan as it establishes a dense residential mixed-use development that is proximate to public transit, bike boulevards, and commercial corridors that offer various goods and services to residents. The project provides both market rate and affordable units, which will count towards meeting the city's regional housing needs allocation. In the fifth issue, the appellant asserts that the negative impacts of the project were underestimated and that the project should not be categorically exempt from CEQA due to its size. Based on the recommendation from staff, SAB found the project qualifies for the Class 32 Infill Development Project Categorical Exemption. With standard and supplementary conditions to mitigate impacts related to traffic, noise, air quality, and water quality, SAB found that the project met the qualifications for the infill categorical exemption and that no additional environmental review was required. Because ZAB determined that the project meets the required findings in the zoning ordinance, staff recommends that the City Council hold a public hearing and upon conclusion adopt a resolution affirming ZAB's decision to approve the subject use permit and adopt the revised conditions included in Exhibit A and dismiss the appeal. These conditions include condition of approval number 27, which memorializes correspondence from the Toxics Department which requires additional approval by an external agency. Additional conditions correct uh, the affordable housing conditions reflect the requirements of the new ordinance that came into effect on April 1st of this year. Alternatively, council may also pursue the following alternative actions. This concludes staff's presentation. Please let me know if you have any questions. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, we'll now um, open the public hearing on the ZAP appeal for 1598 University Avenue. And I believe the appellant, Elizabeth Kowal, um, will be presenting on behalf of the appellants. Um, and Elizabeth, um, I'm gonna move you over to panelists. And uh, good evening. Um, 
Um, as I described, um, we're going to give the um, appellants, so in this case yourself or whoever you'd like to designate, uh, five minutes to uh, present on your appeal. So whenever you'd like to start, um, please go ahead. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Yes. Oh, great. <laughs> um, hi, thank you for allowing us to have this hearing. Um, I just wanted to start by saying that many of our neighbor group here on Addison and California Street have lived here for a long time because we share many of the same values. And we've been doing all we can to ensure that our community will continue to be one that is diverse, welcoming, walkable, and accessible to all. That's why I've been working so hard to make sure this project meets the needs of the community. The first area that I'm going to talk about is the privacy mitigations for neighbors. I did, I do appreciate that I had time to talk with Sophie Kahn today. Um, and I did get some information that fills in some of our questions. I haven't had time to change everything. So I'm going to go ahead with our original list of concerns. When we look carefully at the plans, there were several conflicts that made it confusing. One was about the final setbacks, especially on the south side where the neighbors are. And the fact that there was, it looked like there was also a request for a waiver. But a lot of this comes down to the fact that we didn't have the meeting that was unanimously um, approved and requested of us with the developer, where we were supposed to have direct discussion to make sure that we agree on the mitigations for this very large structure coming right up against our houses. And so we're asking that the final permit be rescheduled until after the neighborhood meeting with the developer has taken place and that those conditions that we approve of, that we agree to, will be a part of the process. The other area is safety for pedestrians, disabled access, bicycles, etc. As you'll probably hear from others also tonight, this area is a very important route through Berkeley. It's a bicycle boulevard. It's got the only good light to cross. And we hope that there'll be many more people using it with all of these new apartments and less parking at BART. We don't think it was the best corner to pick to put this large looming building, but if it's here, we've wanted to make sure that there will be an open plaza, that it will be welcoming. We want people to get out of their cars. We asked for a certain amount of room for the open plaza. And unfortunately, when we got the plans and we checked out what was going on in the street, again, there were inconsistencies. So that's part of what we want to make sure we do is have a walkway that's accessible um, and welcoming. We're also asking 
for an indoor loading and unloading zone because with 207 new apartments, this area has many children walking and biking. It will be too many delivery trucks for safety. And um, Kate also mentioned, we talked to her about repositioning the loading zone that's on the corner, which uh, will not be a safe place for that. My final ask is, um, I know this is not something that is required, but I would like to ask the council to consider increasing the number of below market rate apartments um, to at least 20%. Uh, we need a range of affordable units. We've lost so many of our working class families that were the core of our neighborhood. And we don't want it to be somewhere else. We want Berkeley to be proactive in trying to keep our communities diverse. That's why we live here. And we don't just want student, mostly student housing, market rate housing in our as the main new building in our neighborhood. Thanks. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, well, now um, uh, allow the applicant or applicant's representative five minutes to address the council on the appeal on the project. Uh, hi. Uh, good evening. Um, Isaiah Stackhouse of Trachtenberg Architects. Uh, we also have uh, Jenna uh, um, uh, Yarkin here, uh, project attorney. Um, so staff did an excellent job, we think, uh, in the staff report and in the presentation just now covering all the issues. Our team also uh, submitted a, a, a full letter, uh, so we won't take the time to repeat all that, but um, but we do expect to uh, to be here to answer questions and have any type of dialogue. Um, but we'll um, so we'll we'll cede our time here, but uh, we're here for any questions or discussion um, that that the board wants to focus on. Okay, so you're ceding your remaining time. That's correct. Okay, thank you very much. Um, in, unless there's any particular topic that you want us to cover. We'll, we'll take questions after the okay. public comment. Okay. Thank you. Um, so just noting the applicant is ceding the remaining time to present, and we'll take questions after the public testimony. I will now open a public comment on the ZAV appeal for 1598 University Avenue. Is there any member of the public here in the boardroom who'd like to speak on that? Yes. Good evening, everybody. Do, do I get there five minutes? <laughs> uh, so I, I want to say hi. Um, first of all, thank you for staff and and mayor for handling the uh, the, the Zoom outbreaks earlier as well as you did. That was uh, very much appreciated and caught me off guard like crazy. Um, my name is EJ Sire. I'm the political and public relations representative for Sheet Metal Workers Local 104. I'm here tonight representing dozens of Berkeley families and residents who are also members of the East Bay Residents for Responsible Development. These households make their living as electricians, plumbers, sprinkler fitters, as well as folks in my union as sheet metal workers. We're strong proponents of intensifying housing density along the transit corridors, partly because working class families, as noted earlier, um, ha have been driven and are being driven out of the, the higher areas and out of Berkeley as well. Um, projects like 1598 with those, with those values in mind and that affordable housing in mind are really projects that we really do want to build. 
those are those are the things that we want to be on and we want to be able to put our stamp of approval on when they have those high the um the the affordable housing really in in mind um, but we have to do it in a way that promotes the values of the community questions we often ask ourselves are uh, does the project promote sustainability does it help berkeley become more equitable does it create opportunities for working families to find a home or is it being built with low road contractors who exploit a largely immigrant construction workforce etc and we can also understand why the neighbors have filed objections to this project and encourage you to look at those concerns closely today in this in, in this city several hundred construction workers drove uh, very far distances to build what's currently going on in berkeley as a matter of fact one of your residents who was a union sheet metal worker was supposed to be here tonight but couldn't make it because he was stuck on 680 coming from a project in santa clara instead of the local area uh, berkeley residents currently and hopefully future cannot afford to lose the opportunity to make these projects better and they cannot afford to lose out on the new middle class careers that opportunity i want to express my appreciation for the steps you've taken so far to address the workforce issues in berkeley and i want uh, i would like for you to please continue to take action where you can to help change what is happening in Berkeley. Thank you and have a good night. Thank you. Um, are there any other in-person speakers? Yes, sir. Thank you, Council. Um, I'm Matthew Brunjar, a California Street uh, neighbor. Um, I'd like to turn our attention to uh, University Avenue, which is our main boulevard uh, from our waterfront approach to UC Berkeley. Um, this is used by students commuting. Uh, we've got people going to on to the BART station who, who walk along the university frontage uh, and buses uh, commuting uh, um, towards the university. Um, I would like to note that in the past decade, a uh, couple decades, as far as I know, every project that's been built in this area has conformed to the two-foot University Avenue setbacks. This one is not. Um, and even there's a new project at the Radio, Radio Shack location. Even that project somehow is managing to conform to the two-foot University Avenue setbacks. So I'd like to next point out what, what the issue then is with not having these setbacks. So you go from essentially a 12-foot sidewalk to a 10-foot sidewalk. And what do you get with a 10-foot sidewalk? With a 10-foot side, sidewalk, you get a, a five-foot, five-and-a-half-foot, five sidewalk, a four-inch tree well, and then the six-inch uh, curb. Five feet, five inches, that's not a lot of room. That's enough for one person going one way, another person coming back the other way. So at this point, if you've looked at the plans, you might be asking yourself, why do all the people in the renderings look so happy? Well, they look so happy because it appears they're standing on a 12-foot sidewalk instead of five feet five. They have two more feet to stand there. Uh, and um, so I would just like to point out uh, eight, sheet A21 has the 10-foot sidewalks. Um, maybe your planners can comment on that. Uh, uh, sheet A33 has is an elevation, and that has shows the 12-foot sidewalks, and you can see it fits a lot more people. Um, I, I'm not necessarily asking you to, to uh, stop this project, but perhaps remand to Zab so we get consistent drawings. Uh, elevations are part of the package that has to be submitted, and we have a massive discrepancy in what we have 
uh, here. So I'd like to like to see that addressed in some way, if possible. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening, City Council and Mr. Mayor. Um, that's a good one to follow for me because I wanted to speak about. Um, oh, and, and I'm sorry, John is going to feed me time. So I just wanted to um, point out. I want to speak to item three, the issue three, which is the inaccurate and um, well, the inaccurate information. So if you look at the waivers that were um, given on this project, it says that one of the waivers is to um, reduce the side setback, which says University Avenue to zero feet. Isn't that the front setback? And then it says to reduce the rear setback to a five foot average where the requirement is 20 foot average. Is that really the size that abuts the neighbors? Because on the plans, it shows 12 foot four inches. So there's a lot of inconsistencies besides what was just brought up in what is said in the report. And I think that's part of the reason why the neighbors got all um, upset. If you were gonna have a five foot setback with an eight foot building, I would be upset. So um, all of these things need to be looked at again and make sure that what you're approving is correct. Because if you allow them a five foot setback on that rear side, that's unacceptable. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up is um, one change that happened after this proposal went through ZAB is the change in the way the affordable housing mitigation fee is um, calculated and now it's by square foot but we have no information on what the square footage is of any of the units i looked at the plans i could not see what is the square foot of a studio a one bedroom or a two bedroom what is the city going to get for the affordable housing mitigation fee um, i'd like to know that before this project is approved um, I, you know, I understand that you are going to do the units based on the number of units in the building and it's going to be commensurate with the size, but what is the square footage and how much are we going to get for the affordable housing trust fund? Um, and what is, what is the size of the studios? The picture, the renderings of, I don't know, the floor plans, I guess are called of the studios don't show a bed. They show a couch and I'm wondering, are people going to be having all Murphy beds in these studios, or what are these gonna be like? Are they 300 square foot studios? Are they 500 square foot studios? What are we putting people into? It also shows those, those floor plans show, instead of a four burner stove, it shows two circles. I'm not an architect, but I'm thinking, is that a hot plate? What, what are, what are, what's going into these units? Um, I'd like to have more clarity on that. And I would really like to um, make sure that all the plans and the drawings are correct and that what we are and that you know what you're approving tonight. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, so thank you. My name is David Ushijima. Thank you, Mr. Mayor and council members. It's nice to be here in person. Uh, at the Landmark Preservation Committee, Steve Finnecom, 
he aptly noted that University Avenue was originally built for cars. And as a result, you know, there's gas stations, there's motels. There was the International House of Pancakes, which is now the pizza, uh, you know, North Beach Pizza. But we are no longer in that era. You know, we, know, we need to start thinking about making the avenue, which was originally a car avenue, more friendly to pedestrians and bicycles and other forms of alternative transportation. So the project right now is located on what I think is the most important uh, signal protected walk and bike pathway in the, in the central mid university area. It's the main connection for 5,000 residents in District 4 who live there, including myself. I walk that path regularly to get to Ohlone Park. You know, it's a greenway. And during the COVID, I walked a lot. You know, I walked on all the pathways that Ohlone Greenway provides all the way, you know, to the, the Westbury neighborhood, Gilman Street, to the Albany border. And there's no cars there. It's the best way to get around Berkeley, you know? And it's, a, it, it, it's something to really look at to provide more of that. So some of the mitigations that we are proposing I think will help to make the street more pleasant to walk on. For example, the plaza is only roughly 18 feet wide. There's two big utility boxes. And on the graphics that I show you, those utility boxes I know are the purview, under the purview of Public Works. But if you look at the rendering, the rendering shows there's wide open spaces. And like the previous speaker said, people are smiling because it is a wide open expanse of public plaza, but five feet is not a public plaza. So please move those boxes. Thank you. Thank you very much. Are there any other in-person speakers? Good evening, city council and mayor. I agree with the previous speakers and I wanted to speak to the issue of the units, so there are 207 units and there are 21 below market rate, but yet we're hearing a call that we don't have enough affordable housing for the workers who live in this city. And there's only 21 below market rate units. Furthermore, we don't know which units are the below market rate units. So tonight I'm asking the city council and the Planning Commission to revise the way they look at plans and they carefully say which units are the below market rate. You know, we asked for this on 1500 San Pablo because we were concerned that the below market rate units were going to be the ones that were on a narrow hallway. We never got an answer. And that was well over five years ago. So I I would like to know which units are the below market units? How big are they? And furthermore, regarding the um, plans, uh, there seem to be 141 studios out of 207, and then 21 bedroom, and then 38 two bedroom apartments. Note there's no three bedroom. Now, if you have a family, a family can't live there. So um, I guess you could squeeze in 
to a, a one bedroom or two bedroom. Many of us have had that. But um, it's just something to consider as we move forward. And I know you're you're thinking about the future. And I too am very what the affordable housing mitigation fee and how much was paid. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Are there any other in-person speakers on the ZAP appeal for 1598 University Avenue? Okay, seeing no additional in-person speakers, we'll go to speakers on Zoom. Uh, Daryl Owens. Hello, Council. Um, I grew up only a block away from this spot, so I'm actually quite excited to see this project happen. Uh, I remember when it used to be uh, that rental DVD store and obviously used to be an IHOP. Um, I think this is a good project. I would call our attention to the apartment building that's like southeast of it. Um, it's been there forever. It's about four stories tall. It's huge. It's very dense and nobody's ever cared. They're part of our neighborhood, just like anybody else's. Well, back when I lived there, of course, my family got priced out. But I mean, the point is, is that the, the, it's a really nice place, I think, on University Avenue. It's ideal. I would love to see less of it be a car sewer. I think that I would love to see California Street in particular, um, ideally blocked off to automobiles entirely. And it should just put uh, make it a fully bicycle boulevard connecting to Ohlone Park. I think that would be great. Um, I think that the project overall is good. I think that we need to widen the sidewalks on University Avenue. There's no reason that they need to be four lane roads. I know that we're talking about bus rapid transit soon. Um, that's a good idea, but I'd like to see the median taken out and car lanes reduced to just one lane. I've been complaining about University Avenue traffic safety for a very long time. It, there's no reason to have two lane roads in Berkeley going both ways. So uh, I think this is a good opportunity and I support the project. Thank you. Thank you very much. We'll go next to Kelly Hammergren, followed by Tony Mester. I think what you heard from the neighbors is we know we're gonna get this project. We just want a better project. Um, I've been looking through the planting plan, the landscape plan for this building, and it's almost all non-natives. And there's really no reason for that. We could certainly do better. And there's almost all the trees here are non-native trees. So why can't we hit 70% native plants and choose plants as good host plants. This is a, this should not be an an overwhelming burden for the architect and landscaper to choose native plants so that we can support biodiversity in Berkeley. So that's number one. Um, the other thing is on California. California really is a narrow street. It's one of the uh, only corners really sort of in the middle of the neighborhood that has a street light. I use it frequently. And it's really disappointing that we are not making for better plaza and sidewalk space. We're going to be adding lots of people. I think the comment about the width of the sidewalk is really important along university and the width of the sidewalk and plaza space on California is also important. This would make it a better building if we really plan 
um, the landscaping and plan the sidewalk design and the plaza design for people, for people in biodiversity. So, you know, and we're all disappointed that we're not getting more inclusionary affordable housing. And that should go back to council to really make those inclusionary housing required. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, we'll go next to Tony Mester. Good evening. Would you order a pair of pants without knowing its size? No, you would not. But you are being asked to endorse SAB's approval without knowing the size of the units, especially the BMRs, the size and square footage. You're being asked, you don't know the size of the Southern setback as explained in the permits and waiver section of the staff report. It's not there. What's there is incomprehensible. Um, you don't know the size of the affordable uh, housing mitigation fee, which should be calculated with the exact amount that's going in, um, especially since this was a resubmittal to take advantage of the new square footage but we have absolutely no calculation and we don't know what is going to be paid. Uh, you don't know the size of the um, density in uh, the usual zoning measure of dwelling units per acre because Zab did not ask the staff or the applicant to delineate any of these facts. We don't know. They didn't ask about the size of the studios. They assumed that the uh, BMRs would be family size. We don't know that. They um, they didn't ask how much the uh, fee was going to be paid. They said it was substantial, but they didn't ask about the facts. And the density the density of this building is 314 dwelling units per acre, which exceeds the Adeline Carter density of 240, which gives a 50% um, affordable incentive, whereas here we only get 10% affordable. So I ask you to remand to get the facts because you know, you shall know the facts and the facts shall make you free. Thank you. Okay, we'll go next to Bill Christie. Thank you. Eight stories would be much taller than anything in this part of the city and block sunlight for hours daily on homes all around, violating our right to sunlight for solar panels. Five stories would be appropriate consistent with area building heights. Sunlight is crucial for health, D3, for immune systems, and sunlight's important for people like me with seasonal affective disorder and insomnia. I'm appalled by the council's willful failure to promulgate necessary objective standards on shadowing. Only 39 parking spaces for 207 units is outrageously inadequate. It would be far too difficult to park for blocks around. Disability severely limits how far I can walk. I need street parking on my block on which parking is already difficult. The city practice of not providing sufficient parking to discourage car ownership creates great public hardship, particularly to, to people like me with mobility issues, 
disproportionate to the hardship's small ability to make additional cars cease to exist. I am also appalled by this city practice. The additional neighborhood traffic congestion would be a safety concern for children and everyone, such as those using the school and church a block away. And setbacks are important. This intersection is an important node in the 1996 University Avenue strategic plan. And this and the planned eight-story sheer wall abutting California Street is extremely pedestrian hostile for my neighbors crossing University to, to Ohlone Greenway. This intersection shouldn't repel pedestrians. It should have a landscape plaza to attract neighbors to gather. We also want a commitment to plumbing and electrical for a good cafe on the corner. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll go to Larry Mandela. Larry Mandela. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I I was muted. I apologize for that. Are you uh, speaking on the ZAV appeal, 1598 University I, Avenue? I am, yes. Thank okay. you very much for the opportunity to address the council on this issue. I live at 1543 Addison Street. Uh, we're directly behind the project being built at um, 1598 University. I've lived here since 1974, renting the house until 2001 when we were uh, fortunate enough to be able to buy our home. Um, this eight-story building will unquestionably have a dramatic effect on properties like our own that are immediately adjacent uh, to the uh, to the project. Um, staff said that the developer met the letter of the law by holding a single meeting, but that meeting took place more than a year ago. I was at that meeting, and the plans have changed since that time. And um, so, at this point. In the process, I would like to see that the council uh, specifies a condition of approval, as was recommended at the ZAB meeting, that um, uh, there be a condition that we get to have another meeting, the immediate neighbors, um, with an opportunity to put have input on the type of uh, screens or trees or landscaping or other um, possibilities that would um, help to mitigate the effects on your on our homes. Um, I also agree with a number of things that uh, other people have brought up previous to me, but I'll leave it at that and thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. Okay. All right. We're going to um, call on these last raised hands. And once again, this is a public hearing on the ZAB appeal for 1598 University Avenue. 
if these speakers are, would like to speak on the ZAB appeal, we uh, will recognize their comments. If they're speaking on any other matter, we will not recognize their comments and immediately um, deactivate their microphones and remove them from the meeting. Um, we will strictly enforce the rules of decorum to ensure this meeting can, can proceed. Our next speaker is Bentley. If you wish to speak on the ZAB appeal for 1598 University Avenue, please go ahead. Uh, yes, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, yeah, I would like to speak on that. I'm a, a resident of uh, 1535 Addison, which is directly behind where the new building is. And I wanna say that I certainly understand the need for high density housing. And I understand the calculus that you have to make it enticing enough to uh, encourage builders to come and build things. Uh, what we heard from a lot of uh, previous uh, callers is that the neighborhood is single family housing and a mixture of three to five story tall uh, uh, dwellings, basically, or, or multi-use uh, apartments. And that's in character with the neighborhood. It, it fits well. Everyone seems to uh, have no problem with that. The concern here is that this, this building is at least double the size of anything else in that area. Uh, now, I, I do realize uh, that uh, because of state mandates and they meet these requirements, uh, we basically can't do anything about this. But I, I would encourage you, given the size of this building, the nature of its uh, not being in character with the rest of the area, that we at least carefully consider all the other issues that have been raised with respect to things like sidewalk size, setbacks, get accurate renditions that actually show what the building's gonna look like and think about what it's gonna to do to this neighborhood because it's gonna have a big impact if we put in an eight story building and we need to make sure that we do all the due diligence and don't just look at the, the, the pleasant pictures and assume that's what it's gonna look like. We have to carefully think about what the neighbors have brought up as issues and actually make sure they get addressed in a, in a uh, deliberate fashion. Uh, I think that's all I have to say. Thank you. Thank you very much. Once again, this is a public hearing on the ZAB appeal for 1598 University Avenue. We will only take comments on the ZAB appeal. If you speak to any other matter that is not on the agenda, I will immediately cut off your mic. We'll go next to MP. Are you speaking on the ZAB appeal for 1598 University Avenue? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Hi, uh, I'm Mahabar Mishran. Um, I live at 1535 Addison Street. Um, my home uh, of over 18 years uh, is directly facing south from this behemoth, this monolith that is going to be erected um, right within 20 feet of my windows. So would you, as council folks who have some, some very specific tenure of a few years, would you like to wake up for the rest of your lives 20 feet from your window with the eight-story apartment building that is not meeting any value system for the city of Berkeley in terms of affordability, adhering to the neighborhood, and, and, and merely even respecting the neighborhood concerns. The developer has not yet had the, the mandated uh, discussion with us to, to be able to alleviate or even listen to our concerns. Secondly, none of our, uh, uh, there, there, has been, there have been no provisions in the design to address sound and light 
and privacy concerns for the south side neighbors. I understand there's a lot of emphasis on the university facing sidewalk setbacks and California side bike restrictions. Those are all in line with what we, we, we as Berkeley residents want to see in, in, in any new community in this area. But there has been no consideration to the residential neighborhood and what the impact this kind of monolith is going to have to property values, the, our social and emotional well-being, living next to this monolith. Not to mention other concerns like parking, congestion, loading zones. These are all very specific things. But, but at the end of the day, is this where you want Berkeley to head? where you are basically sacrificing. Thank you. I will recognize the last raised hand to take to make comments on the ZAB appeal for 1598 University Avenue. Um, if the speaker is addressing anything else, I will immediately cut off their mic. We will strictly enforce the rules of decorum. Brian McDonald, are you speaking on the ZAB appeal? I'm speaking on the ZAB appeal. Okay, thank you. My name is Brian McDonald. I live on Jefferson Avenue in the neighborhood in question, and I fully support developing more housing in Berkeley, California. Berkeley is an inclusive uh, community, and we welcome new neighbors in our communities, and we should build more housing. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. I don't see any other speakers, so um, we'll keep the public hearing open for any oh, Roberta Weisbard. Once again, public comment on the ZAB appeal only for 1598 University Avenue. Are you speaking on the ZAB appeal? Okay, yes, I am. Thank you. I also live on the block um, that's going to be fronted by the uh, new building. And I would just like to say that I think it's really important that we have a significant amount of low-income housing in that building. And if it's only going to be the studio apartments, we're not getting any families in there. And so to expect that families are going to be eliminated from the pool of people who might come in and who would we get in very small studios, we would get students. I feel like the university can provide student housing. I don't think that's what the city needs to be concentrating on right now. And we need housing for people and people include families. So. I agree with the speakers who said that we need to know which of the units are going to be identified for um, low income and especially very low income. And diversity is, is the issue here. So that's all I wanted to add. I, I agree with most of the other speakers from the neighborhood, but I just wanted to add my comment on the low income housing issue. Thank you. Uh, Lonnie Simpson, um, are you speaking on the ZAB appeal for 1598 University Avenue? Yes, I am. Okay, thank you. Please go ahead. Yeah, I appreciate everybody who's been sharing that's from the neighborhood. I've been, I've lived here for 22 years now. I'm in 1500 block of Addison. And uh, low-income housing has to be, you know, you know, really, really considered as well as the traffic on uh, and the safety on California Street. That has really not been addressed. 
39 parking spaces for it, you know, it's just going to flood the whole uh, area here with um, cars and parking. So until those things are resolved, I think some serious consideration should be uh, uh, made. And also it's an interesting idea to perhaps make California Street um, not drivable for cars. I don't know how that would happen, but it is going to be more dangerous. I, I walk that area all the time to go to Ohlone uh, Parkway. Um, and uh, I, I just, it, it makes me sad, you know, because I've lived here for a long time. I know that this kind of housing is really important, but we can't, we have an opportunity to, you know, do setbacks, uh, choose the proper uh, planting, uh, you know, that, that really meets with the area. And, um, you know, I, like I said, I think mostly I'm, I'm just sad to see that this is happening. But I think we can do better. We know it's going to happen. Uh, eight stories, I think, is really out of line. And I just hope more consideration is uh, put into this. Um, and I agree that it, it does need to happen because we need to be housing people who need to be housed. Uh, but we need to understand the size and so many good things that people brought up today I hadn't thought about. I want to thank everybody that has uh, put a great deal of thought into this. So. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. We'll keep the public hearing open if there are any questions for parties. And we'll now bring it back to the council for discussion. Councilmember Hahn is first, and then Councilor Harrison. Well, thank you very much. And thank you to all the speakers, um, the appellants, the applicant, and staff for their presentation. Um, what what strikes me about what is before us this evening is that I'm not sure we would be here in an appeal situation if there had been better communication earlier on in the process. Um, and it's it's sad to me that um, we, we have to go all the way to a hearing like this in order to just clarify some things that are actually really confusing when you're a member of the public and you're not a design professional, and you're trying to follow things. Um, you know, the, the code says four stories, but it seems like eight is allowed. Um, the app, and it is. <laughs> the applicant, um, you know, requests some waivers early on in the process, which are granted, but they didn't use them all. And so there's a discrepancy between a waiver that gave them the, uh, the, the option of having a very small setback on the south side, but they didn't take that option. The setback on the south side is 12 to 13 feet, but they have a waiver that would have allowed them to do an average of five. Is that confusing? Definitely. It's super confusing. Um, and I, I just want to put a plug in for... Um, more conversations earlier in the process between the applicants, the neighbors, but also with our staff um, to kind of understand the degree to which this stuff is um, mind splitting for members of the public and particular people who are going to be impacted by a very large project. It can be a little daunting. Um, so I don't think there's anybody sitting here at the dais who would not find it to be a big change to suddenly have an eight-story building 
right next door. Even if, if they support it, I think they would still find it to be a big change. And it's something that they would want to better understand. So I just want to go through a couple of things. Um, a couple of things that were were said and questions. Um, somebody, a speaker, said um, they were concerned about parking in the area and disability parking. Well, that's something we could give them information about. You can request a blue zone. If you have a disability in Berkeley, we may be able to give you a parking spot right in front of your house. So you don't have to circle around looking for spaces. And I urge that individual who, who spoke to do that. That's just information. We can provide that. Um, the uh, question of which units are going to be, be BMR units, and are they going to be the right square footage, and are they going to be dank, right? We have something in our code that says that the BMR units have to be dispersed throughout the building and have to be comparable in size and finishes. You can't have cheap finishes um, on the BMR units. So we've got that covered, right? Um, that's something that I think is that people would have liked to know. Um, the um, question of the meeting, which I understand feels so urgent because there are so many questions that folks have. Well, the meeting has to take place before they get their building permit. And the building permit is next in line after the zoning permit. And so there already is a built-in stop. If they don't meet with you before they go, they can't pull their building permit. So it's right there in the conditions of approval. That could have been explained a long time ago. It is guaranteed. It's written into the approvals. Um, and it's going to happen because <laughs> I spoke with the architects, uh, spoke with Mr. Trachtenberg today, and he said, of course, we're looking forward to having that meeting. But it's not until the next stage. That's when, it's ha that's when that happens. The, the setback in the rear, super confusing. There was a concession. And by the way, state law requires us to give concessions which allow bonus units to be built. There was a concession given that could have allowed them to go down to a five-foot setback in the south side. But I confirmed today with Mr. Trachtenberg, it's a 12-foot setback. So that's what the setback is. Is that confusing? Yes, it is. Um, there were a number of questions that were posed to me this morning, and I was able to quickly get the answers. The trees, will they be evergreen? Yes, they're shown in the plans. And the, the, the architect and developer will be consulting with the neighbors on the screening, the trees, that, that whole south side face, that's provided for. Um, the spacing of the trees is five feet apart. That's really dense. Um, all of those things are easily handled with just a little bit of conversation. The fence height, six feet. That's what the city of Berkeley allows. If you want it taller, we can allow that too. You'll have that conversation. That's something they're open to and we can do. Acoustical issues about the metal cladding. Would the metal cladding um, increase the amount of echo and sound? 
Apparently this metal cladding is very common and they, have they don't know of any concerns about um, metal cladding. I had a question about south-facing balconies um, and was able to get an answer uh, within an hour, within half an hour. The sidewalk along California Street um, varies in width from 13 feet to 20 feet. So it, it gets wider and wider as it goes to the corner with university. Um, Architect says they love the suggestion of siting sitting walls and along the tree wells at California Street. And they're gonna talk with Public Works and see if they can get a little bit of neighborhood seating there. They love that idea. Wouldn't it have been nice if we could have had that conversation prior? Um, how will the landscape be maintained? Um, the drawings include irrigation, garage access. Um, the individual I spoke with thought the garage was accessed on California Street. The plans show it on University. I confirmed that it's on University. A loading zone on California. No, the loading zone is shown on the plans on University and the kitchens. Are they full-sized, are they real kitchens? And the answer is yes. Um, Per the building code, they're considered full-size dwelling units with full kitchens. I don't know if it's two or four burners, but I do know it's um, full-size refrigerators. And yes, they're, they're not efficiency kitchens. They are real kitchens, petite, no doubt, but they are real. All that in less than an hour, right? Um, so I don't, I'm not clear what the remaining open issues are. I do want to say that there are a bunch of policy concerns that have been raised by the neighbors that I'm very sympathetic to. I really appreciate how much they care about affordability, and I understand their desire for more affordable units. I will say that is, yes, the developer could have put more in, but it's a policy issue at the city of Berkeley. We allow the developer to choose. Um, either build or pay or a combination. And clearly they chose a combination um, of affordable units on site and paying into our affordable housing trust fund. It's a policy that we probably should talk about um, more, but there's nothing that the project does that is not allowed. Um, and I just think again, um, I really appreciate that concern, but I wish that we hadn't gotten this far down the road. I uh, I don't know if I heard anything that I would consider an open issue that we could fix here, because my sense is that um, most of the things that we could fix are already provided for in the plans. Um, I guess there's one question I might ask the, the architects. Um, if Mr. Um, Stackhouse would be willing. I did not look at what the square footage was of the different units. I'm, I assume there's a variety of sizes, but could you maybe yeah. just give us a little sense of the range? Yeah, so um, again, it's a mix of studios, uh, one bedrooms and uh, two bedrooms. And um, uh, I think the, the small, the, the studios were uh, one of the specific questions. So I did 
some calculations. And just for reference, um, you know, the, the building code allows a studio of approximately 250 square feet, but these are 50% bigger than that. So these are quite generous. Um, they're um, uh, between uh, 375 and 380 square feet. So they're, they're full studios. And again, they're, they're one and a half times uh, the, minimum. The, the, the minimum, yeah. And what about this question of beds? Are they able to accommodate a, 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 a like a full or a queen size bed? Yeah. Or is it a Murphy bed situation? Um, we're not entirely sure yet. We haven't uh, fully designed all the interiors um, or, or even um, whether or not, you know, some of it might be built in versus uh, provided by tenants. Um, but there is uh, certainly, uh, plenty of room for beds in them. Um, again, they're, they're um, I would say, you know, they're, they're somewhere in the middle of the range of studios that we see. Um, they're not gigantic, but they're also not on the small side. And, uh, you know, in, in terms of families, um, you know, not all projects can provide everything for everyone, but they all make a dent in the housing crisis. And, um, you know, there are two bedrooms and one bedrooms. And I would say, you know, one thing that in, in my career has stuck out to me was a, a neighborhood meeting we had on a project maybe six or seven years ago um, near the Parker, across the street from the Parker. And, um, uh, you know, we're, uh, you know, meeting open to the community and, uh, and, um, you know, the, some of the neighbors uh, were talking about, oh, there aren't family units here, or there aren't three bedrooms, and, and a, a woman raised her hand and said, my, my husband and my child are back across the street at the Parker. I live there with them in the studio apartment, hmm. and that's all we can afford. And um, so to be able to provide more housing and to work on that, um, you know, it's, it's meaningful, and um, hopefully we can uh, provide more. So, thank you. Um, just a, a couple of other questions. Can you confirm that there's no little little terraces to the south? It's just the uh, six or so large that's, terraces that I assume are associated with probably with two bedroom units. Um, that's correct. There are no smaller terraces. Um, there are private terraces only. There there are no uh, group common area terraces up there. Okay, and they have and they have like a stucco wall. They're not yeah. like a a little balustrade, right? That's they're, correct. They have they're a visually full, enclosed. Yeah, a full stucco wall. Um, and how high are the stucco walls traditionally? Uh, they'll be a minimum of three foot six. So um, three and a half, maybe four feet. Yeah. So when you're seated, would you be able to see over that wall generally? No. Like down. No. You'd probably have to be up to the edge, sort of actually looking down to see. That's correct. And, and um, you know, it is, uh, you know, each one is just for a single unit. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, those were all the questions I heard. I'm trying to get the questions that I heard answered. Uh, um, the, one other thing I would mention, um, just in terms of the front and side yards, uh, it's a little counterintuitive, but the front yard is actually on California here. Hmm. That, that's a that's a planning designate, and it, and it that uh, was something that confused me. The first project I worked on in Berkeley, but on any corner lot in Berkeley, the front yard is always the shorter of the two sides. 
which is, uh, again, a bit counterintuitive. And we saw that play out recently. But uh, an, an unfortunate but, matter. But I, I do believe, um, and staff can confirm, but that um, that all of the setbacks and waivers are correct, but they're just not what you would expect them to be, especially because the project does, you know, really front university. You would think of that as a front yard, but it is actually technically a street side yard. So I think, I'm not looking at it right now, and then I think perhaps the way the waivers were written up, they assumed that California was the front. Correct. Just the way they're written. So there we yeah. go. Another very confusing thing, because there is a waiver of the front setback of two feet, but you're saying that's a side setback. That is a, yeah, the. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is just why this is why the public is so confused and we end up here. Um, so it's very unfortunate. Um, can you tell us why you why you chose to move the building forward into the front setback or um, what you want to call side setback, whatever you want to call it? Yeah, I mean, uh, I would say a few things about that one. Um, uh it was mostly in deference to the neighbors to the south and wanting to push the building as far as we could away from them to, to have the largest possible setback um the you know one thing that's unusual about this project uh that, that we think is is a really good aspect is that there is no large ground floor podium that goes directly up to their walls like uh like is so common and part of that uh is really thanks to the to city council reducing parking. Um, uh, 10 years ago, we would have had no choice but to build a podium right up to the neighbors. And what we've been able to do, um, the lot coverage is only, I think we're at 60 or 65%. We've got a huge area of, of ground of dirt to really plant you know, substantial screening trees. So the, the extra dimension there really helps to be able to get fuller, larger trees. The other thing I would say, yes, the university uh, frontage, um, at, you know, at, at 10 feet isn't the 18 to 20 that we're getting on the side, but it's still quite decent. The other thing is that um, we are uh, pushing uh, the entry facades and the retail glazing in. Um, that was one thing in the staff report and conditions of approval. Uh, our renderings uh, do show uh, how we intend to build it uh, with the glazing pushed in a further two feet um, and um, the, the construction plans will will reflect that and will reflect the uh, the pushed in glazing on the on the front facade. So yes, we, we could take the building and, and push it to the south, but it, it's at the cost of that that rear setback and the trees and, and brings the building closer to the neighbors. Okay, and then in my exchange with Mr. Trachtenberg earlier today, he indicated perhaps it was you through him that you would be willing to look at putting sidewalk seating um, on the uh, along California close to the curb where the where the street trees are. Is that something that you are able to commit to verbally publicly here to look at that and work with city staff to yes, try uh, and achieve some? We think that's a great idea. And, and um, you know, everything across the property line is you know, is city land and the city ultimately decides, DPW decides, but we can push for that and um, seems like a great idea. So we will, we can absolutely commit to looking into that and seeing if we can make it happen. 
okay. would uh, you know help to I mean um, you know help to enliven also the the pedestrian experience and the the retail all of that so okay thank you I appreciate I just have a, one or two quick questions for staff okay thank you um, thank you mr. Klein um, do, what about these um, utility boxes can they be removed and moved is that a Burke is that a city thing or is that something that the developer usually would look at it looks like there's a whole bunch of them pretty you want to fill that yeah I'll go ahead and actually uh, call on Kim Pham our city traffic engineer to answer that question uh, I think she'll need be need to be promoted okay. to panelist that name looks legit <laughs> so, yes. So the panel. <laughs> All right. Everyone, uh, my name is Kim Pham. I am an associate transportation engineer under Public Works Transportation. Um, to answer your question about the utility boxes, uh, there is an existing uh, signal uh, controller cabinet at the corner of the uh, southwest corner of University in California uh, that cannot be relocated. Um, its placement and orientation is deliberate so that when the controller box is being uh, serviced by our electricians, they have full visibility of all signal heads at the intersection. It looks like there are some other boxes though. There are adjacent uh, boxes, one with a meter of some sort on it. Um, I do not know uh, which utility uh, owns or maintains that um, specific utility box. Um, I would have to defer to public works engineering to answer that question. But who, who initiates looking at that and seeing if we can move it? Is that initiated by the developer or is that? initiated by the city. I'm just trying to figure out who can look at this. Uh, that should be initiated through the developer um, in coordination with public works engineering to determine feasibility of uh, relocating um, or potentially removing the utility box. Thank you. Um, Mr. Stackhouse, is that something that you given that staff is saying that the, the question of moving the utility boxes is best raised by the developer would you be willing to take on looking at that and making those requests uh, yeah we can certainly uh, look into that and make those requests and um, i did uh, go over there this afternoon and, and look at them uh, we had a survey but they were just all labeled utility so it wasn't super helpful um, just from experience we, we knew that some uh, were traffic signal, uh, we think some may be traffic light uh, control box. Uh, it does look like um, uh, th there's one area that looks like it may be a gas meter for the existing building. So that would be doubly good news that that will be going away um, uh, for the new building. Uh, and that um, is, is a pretty large object with a concrete wall yeah, they, they gave us a picture of it. I don't know if someone yeah, so that, can I give think them one that, of these. That's a large concrete wall there. Um, our understanding is that's a gas meter that will go away. The existing building is fed overhead uh, further down south so that there is no transformer. So none of those objects, unfortunately, are a transformer that won't be needed.
for the new building, um, the electricity is coming from the street pole and a transformer in the street there. So um, uh, again, uh, but certainly we can look into that and um, it's, you know, our, our intent really to make um, a great streetscape there, you know, for the building and for the city. And, uh, you know, we, we think that the, that the, you know, uh, um, you know, the existing condition there with four curb cuts and, and uh, the, the sea of parking, um, we're, we're trying to really make a great pedestrian experience here. Okay, thank you. Um, my last question just is for staff, um, uh, Director Klein and your staff. I'm looking at page 13 at the concessions and waivers, and I just wanna make sure I'm understanding correctly. I'll give you a second to pull that up. Let me know when you have it. Here, let me. You have it? Yep, me... I have it up. Okay, so it says that the second to last bullet point is waiver to reduce the rear setback to a five foot average where the requirement is a 20 foot average. Is that the Western side of the building? Let's just go Northeast, South and West. Sorry, I'm trying to load it first, but I can in the interim. Let me go ahead and share my screen real quick. I believe Isaiah may have mentioned this in his response to questions too, but to reiterate, um, when we have intersecting uh, right-of-ways, the shorter length of a lot is considered the front. So again, California is considered the front. University is the street side. The line that abuts the residential side is the internal side, and the line that abuts both residential and mixed use or commercial is the rear over here. Okay. And so this waiver to reduce the rear setback to a five foot average, is that the little pathway that you're showing to the rear there? It's like a little walkway on the left of your picture. It is, you me. So let's take a look the rear over here, so it's five and a half to 17 and seven average. So let me, I mean, this is just a snippet. Right, it's just there where your, where your cursor is. Yeah, okay. I just wanna make sure that's what we were waving and then reduce the side setback on university to zero feet where the requirement is a two foot average. Um, and so there was no um, setback reduction waiver for the south side, which most people think of as the back, but is actually a side. Um, and so there was no waiver provision that was even applicable along there. That having been said, they cited the building 12 feet from the property line. That's correct. Four, four inches, I think. That's correct. So there's no uh, minimum requirement for a setback there. So it complies with this average of about 37 feet, but on the ground floor, it is about over 12 feet um, from okay. the property line. 
All right. I appreciate you showing that. Um, again, I'm really just trying to clarify things for, for sure that are very confusing. That is all I have. Um, thank you very much. Councilmember Harrison. Yeah. Thank you very much to the uh, applicant and the appellants in particular and to um, Mr. Klein and his staff. Um, I did have a couple of uh, questions for uh, Mr. Klein. We had discussed at length today, you and myself, I've spoken with the applicant and the appellants about this. There is a small loading zone shown on California Street, which we would like to have relocated. Right now, when you're at the corner of California and University, there's a loading zone where there's actually a red curb because it's considered dangerous to have cars come along and have people loading there. That's why we have it. Even driving here tonight, that's how I drove. And it was dangerous, me crossing over California with people turning right. So imagine now a loading zone with all the activity. I think we talked about moving that part of the loading zone, which is right at the corner, then there's a bike rental station, and then there will be, a, there's two parking spaces, but there could be more because we're gonna get rid of that curb cut. We wanna take this loading zone that's at this corner on California and move it to the far side, the south side of the bike rental station. And I believe everyone is in agreement with that. I have some language on that. I wanted to just make sure I have that right for Mr. Klein. Is that how you understood it? Uh, yes, that, that is uh, my understanding based on our conversation earlier. I think, you know, the, the loading zones are not typically a product of the zoning entitlement. Usually that's a product of an interaction between the applicant and public works subsequent to the entitlement. And I don't know if, if Kim wants to speak to that at all. That said, council can um, add, add a condition related to the, the, zone, the loading zone in this case. Okay. This is a really important bike boulevard. We know that we've had accidents on this bike boulevard. We've had children hit on their bikes, et cetera. It's a crossing to school. I feel that I understand that this gets dealt with later in the process on an engineering level. But when you're the public and you look at this plan and you see that's what it looks like, it's alarming. There's also one place where there's a light on university for a lot of pedestrians cross there. So I've gotten a lot of concerns. This is not from the people living right adjacent. This is the entire neighborhood is saying, we consider this our bike boulevard, our safe crossing for kids on foot. We do not want a loading zone there. So um, I, in speaking with um, uh, Mr. Klein earlier today, I asked that perhaps some of these decisions could be made earlier on. I realize it's a little bit of a change in process, but when you're a member of the public, you don't know that that's gonna get fixed in engineering. You don't really have a sense of that. So I really appreciate your willingness to take the consideration of this um, change that I'd like to add, which would be transportation loading zone. Project shall maintain loading zone areas on California only adjacent to the Southern portion of the parcel with placement and length of loading zone subject to city traffic engineer approval. So we're moving it again from the corner, jumping over the bike rental station to the far side. I think it'd be a lot safer. So I'm gonna make that, that motion and add that condition be added. The other reason this is important to me is we want a significant loading zone there because we're looking at making University Avenue a better street. We wanna add bus, bus lanes possibly. We wanna do a lot of things to make it a place where you want to walk. 
And right now, the conditions aren't very good anyway. We have a lot of curb cuts. We have two giant parking areas. It's not a friendly place. I live about six blocks from there, and I don't, I don't walk on that side of university very much because of all of the parking and all the curb cuts and all the buildings that have limited activity in them. So I think we're improving by putting this building there. But as we're doing that, I want to make sure we take advantage of the fact we're losing some of these curb cuts, et cetera, to not make university just another drive-through for this neighborhood. We want University Avenue to be something that, that the neighbors and everybody can in, enjoy. Now, I know there's a problem with this issue of the 10 feet, but I think it's been adequately explained. I would love to see the sidewalks on university be wider, but I don't think it's something we can accomplish in this project because it's the back of the, the building. So I'm gonna ask for support for, for that. Um, I also was interested in the utility boxes. I don't wanna make this a condition of approval. I realize there's a lot to consider, um, but again, if we are doing a better job of the traffic, what? Why not? Oh, I could make it a condition, but it would relate to the department, I think, having to make a decision about the signal box. So let me ask it this way. If Mr. Garland is here from Public Works. Yeah, is Mr. Garland here? I think there's somebody from Public Works Transportation. Okay. Yeah. If, if that person would come on, on screen, um, I would like to see that box move because it does interrupt that corner. And I agree with Councilmember Hahn and everyone else that commented, the drawings make it look like this lovely corner, but there's actually this giant box right there on the corner, um, which is pretty unusual. If you look at the drawings given to us by the picture, rather given to us by Mr. Fukushima on page two, you will see this box. So this is not a plaza anymore. It's a sidewalk with a box in it. So I guess my question for Public Works is, can anything be done about that? Or at least can we ask that you look at it? Uh, I could speak upon the uh, white traffic signal controller. Uh, is that the utility box um, question? Can you speak up a little? We're having a hard time hearing you. Sorry. Yes, can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Hi, um, Kim Pham, Public Works Transportation. Uh, I can speak on the white uh, traffic signal controller box at the corner if that is the utility box in question. Okay. Uh, so given the, the way the traffic signal is laid out, relocating uh, the signal controller box um, would require potentially retrenching across uh, University Avenue to lay down additional signal conduits mm. uh, and rewiring the entire signal if we were to say relocate it to another corner. Um, the way that the signal controller um, is placed, it's meant to be placed uh, in a location where wind service by um, electricians uh, allows for visibility of the signal um, and is uh, uh, typically placed um, uh, at a corner off of uh, the main street to avoid um, damage from, say, uh, vehicles hopping the curb and, and running into the, the signal controller, which would um, cause significant uh, damage. Okay, there's two boxes here, and you're referring to a white box. The white box, I believe, has been painted with colored flowers and is now blue. I think 
one you're talking about and the drawings that we have, which I realize you don't have the advantage of having, the one closer to the corner looks like a gas main. And it is a brownish color, for better, lack of a better description. That is the one that really interrupts the way this looks. Does anyone have any comments on that? Is that going to be going away because it's an all-electric building? Public Works? Uh, I'm deferring to the architect on this uh, because uh, it is a, a meter that services the existing parcel. Yeah. Um, I can commit that we will do everything we can to get rid of it. It's it's out there in the public right away. You know, sometimes, you know, we don't, we don't know for certain that we own it or that we can change it, but to the extent we can, um, you know, we'll, we'll definitely do whatever we can. Okay, great. So that's that first most intrusive box and it's a gas meter. So thank you for that. I don't know, um, I like my colleagues advice about whether we need to make that a condition. I think you would also want it gone and I trust that you're gonna try to get rid of it if at all possible. I think there's, there is a provision of the conditions of approval which say that representations or commitments made by, an, by the applicant in the hearing, and the hearing's still open, can stand as conditions of approval. I look to our city attorney to confirm, um, but we did hear the, I'm assuming I'm hearing the applicant's commitment to request the city evaluate the removal of that meter box. Um, uh, and that, as stated by staff, that is something the applicant can request. Now, we don't know whether they can remove it or not, but it's a question of whether um, whether it, it will be evaluated. And I think I heard your commitment that you would be willing to, re to request that evaluation. Yes. Okay. Uh, you know, that's correct. Um, just to be clear, uh, you know, we learned about the issue this morning, a little after 9 a.m. Uh, we're glad to know about it, uh, but we haven't had a chance to fully, you know, send um, you know, MEP engineers to say exactly what each thing is and whether or not it can go. But certainly um, uh, we, we don't want them there either. And um, we're, we're happy to make a commitment to you know, pursuing their removal or relocation. Thank you. It's, it's not just an aesthetic thing, it's also a pedestrian safety thing. And you know, it's a fairly, it narrows the space quite significantly. So thank yeah. you for that. I appreciate that. Um, um, I'm sorry, did you have something you want to add? Uh, just to clarify, uh, uh, and specifically, like if that's a gas meter for the property, we would own that in terms of, um, yeah, well, uh, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Um, and I'm just, I'm, I should have had you stay up there because I do want to ask you this very direct Specific question, the setback to the neighbors that live in the homes, what we consider behind or to the south of the building is 12 feet at ground and an average of 32 feet. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, it's, um, it's 12 foot four at the ground and then it moves to 13 uh, and um, the average, I just wanna confirm it with a drawing table here. I feel like the average is Uh, the average is 37 feet. Thank you very much. Um, and I had another question for you, which is 
Um, typically, well, actually, this is a question from Mr. Klein. Let me ask the planning director this. Okay. You might want to stay because there might be a follow-up. <laughs> really getting up and down. Um, Mr. Klein, typically at this stage, do we show the placement of affordable units or do we rely on the fact we have an ordinance that says they have to be evenly distributed, they don't, they're not all in the basement in the back, and they have to have similar accoutrements? Do we at this stage normally know where they are or is that something that comes later? That's, that the that has to be finalized as part of the regulatory agreement that the the project must enter into with which is managed by HHCS and that has to happen prior to building permit issuance. Okay, and what about this calculation of the affordable housing fees, which are now based thanks to Councilmember Robinson's excellent work on square footage as opposed to units? Do we know what that looks like? We know the square footage of the building. So, do you know how much we're getting in affordable housing fees? That's also finalized as part of the regulatory agreement. Um, and I know that they're going to be doing a mix of units on site in order to satisfy the density bonus requirements. And, and then I imagine are going to fee out the remainder, but, um, but I know I don't, I don't have that information currently. Okay. But if they were, can someone do a calculation, if they were to stick with just the very low income units that they need for the state density bonus, which gives them the extra 50% and not providing the low income units as called for under our code, but for which they're allowed to fee out, do we have an, a number for that? Do we know some rough idea? How much money are we talking about? Any idea? We know the square footage. This we is actually don't anymore. know 100% either. Mm, okay. uh, we're looking at it for another project right now and um, awaiting, um, as I understand from the planner, th they're going to be providing some more detail and guidelines on those calculations. So I see. we don't actually okay. know uh, 100% at the moment. Because we're in the midst of this change in the yes. way we do it. Okay, yeah. thank you for that. Um, thank you. That's all the question I have okay. for you. I just wanted to ask, um, I think I'm just interested in, in us being as I said to you before, uh, Director Klein, clear on some of these things that maybe are an engineering decision, but for example, I believe probably having that loading zone on the corner right on California is probably not what our bike boulevard um, people would have envisioned mm -hmm. having. It's a, a holdover. So I'm hoping we can do a little more of that interaction between planning and public works up front, because again, it does alarm neighbors, as Councilmember Hahn points out, when they see these things. And I think it's important that we get these, you know, clearly laid out, and we all want it moved. So I think we're in really good shape. Absolutely. It's a fantastic idea. And Thank again, it's something we learned of this morning, but it makes great sense, yeah, and we're 100% for it. Thank you for your time this morning. I really appreciate you talking to me about it. Um, I just wanted to, I think those are all my questions. I have some comments, but I can wait. Do you want me to go ahead with comments? Um, why don't we wait to close the public hearing first, sure. if that's okay? Yeah, that's fine. Um, I'd like to ask a question. Yes, I'm going to go to you next. One second. Um, so I have Councilmember Wengraft and I have Councilmember Taplin. Okay, Councilmember Wengraft. Uh, thank you. Um, I noticed that you are, this is a question for the architect, um, that you were providing two um, handicapped or ADA accessible parking spaces. How many of the units are ADA accessible? Um, uh, are they all ADA accessible? And if not, how many are? Yeah, they're all 100%. 100% of the units uh, meet Chapter 11A accessibility uh, for privately funded housing. So, um, you know, they all um, 
they all have, for instance, uh, uh, pull side clearances on all doors and um, uh, kitchens that, that meet ADA. Uh, so um, this is definitely not a 70s building. Uh, it's a modern uh, building that uh, fully meets code. It's an elevator building. So the elevator access to all floors. And, and the bathrooms um, have wheelchair radius turnaround measure. Yeah, the, the, the bathrooms um, uh, all also meet uh, all the requirements of chapter 11A for accessibility. Great. Thank you so much for doing that. Thank you. You're welcome. Vice Mayor, uh, Vice Mayor Bar do you have a question? Okay, yes, Vice Mayor Bartlett. Your patience tonight, and it's um, quite a task you're in here. Um, and I, you know, the, 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 I am sympathetic to the comments of the setbacks and the placement of the electrical apparatus. And you know, just to just for my own benefit, I'm just curious: is this project um, a part of our hard hats ordinance? We just passed that recently, and I'm wondering if this project is within that um, policy. I don't familiar. I don't know one. I, I don't believe so. Um, I think that ordinance uh, takes place with projects submitted after the after the new year. That's my understanding. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Okay. Um, are there any other questions before we close the public hearing? Okay. If not, I'll make a motion to close the public hearing. Second. Okay. If we can please call the wall and closing the public hearing. Councilmember Kesarwani? Yes. Kaplan? Yes. Bartlett? Yes. Harrison? Yes. On? Yes. Wengraff? Yes. Robinson? Yes. Humbert? Yes. And Mayor Arie? Yes. Okay. Okay, the public hearing is now closed. Um, I'll just say that um, I, I, I wanna thank Councilmember Harrison for uh, the proposed amendments, because I think they're gonna make um, uh, that uh, intersection of University in California more accessible for people with disabilities, for families, for pedestrians. I think it's going to it's going to improve um, pedestrian activity on University Avenue. Um, I think moving the loading back, and then also looking at removing any obstructions of the actual sidewalk, particularly given the sidewalk width, I think is a good thing. Especially if we're going to activate the corner with with having a corner level cafe and having a ground floor retail. So I think these are things that are good for um, uh, pedestrian activity, and I really want to thank you for um, for including them. Uh, and uh, I, I appreciate the questions that were asked. I think they help clarify some of the um, the questions that neighbors had around the design. Um, and uh, I'll just say that um, I wish that um, there had been an opportunity for the um, applicant or staff to meet with um, the appellants before this uh, appeal hearing happened, because I think it would have helped clarify some of the questions that people had. I think there was some legitimate confusion around some of the issues like setbacks, et cetera. Um, that being said, um, I think we were able to clarify those issues tonight. Um, Councilman Harrison. Um, I just wanna say to my, my neighbors, because I live in the same district that, I live right next door to a commercial building and it's gonna get torn down and an apartment building is gonna go there. So I know how scary this feels. I'm really glad to see this design be so far set back 
from the homes on, on the street. I think that's a really important element. That's not something I'm going to enjoy at my own home. Um, so I think that's a really big value. And I want to thank the, the architect and the developer for, for doing that. None of us really love these changes, but I have to say it's not a fabulous activated corner right now. And I'm hoping that with cooperation of the developer, with the meetings that they've pledged to have to discuss, for example, I know this meeting is supposed to focus that they're going to have with you on the shading of your homes through fencing, trees, and other elements, that you will become more comfortable. And I'm asking that the architect and developer be open to ongoing dialogue and that all of you feel free to call me at any time as we move along through this process. As I mentioned in Mr. Stackhouse this morning, there's a reason for cynicism of neighbors. We had a project two blocks away that was promised the, to the neighbors that there would be plantings, there'd be redwood trees planted uh, along their homes. And those died on three separate occasions because they weren't taken care of. And I just need to feel that, and I, I feel confident, but I wanna you know, express here so that it's public. We need to be sure that when we set conditions like planting of trees, um, trying to get rid of this monument box, moving the loading zone, that, that we do it and that there's a place for people to complain. And I think that's why people get very nervous about these buildings. They're like, this whole huge thing is happening to me and who am I gonna talk to? I just wanna tell you, you can talk to me anytime. I want you to call me if there's any problem whatsoever, because I think it's really important we have that, that kind of dialogue. Um, we've seen some really good projects in Berkeley where there's been a lot of communication and it can be a really good model, but we have seen a couple things that are not, not so great. So I also wanna say on the affordability issue, I have proposed many times that we require the low income units to be on site. Um, the, this body has not chosen to go ahead and, and do that. State law changed somewhere in the last three years or so. It used to be we had to allow people to fee out or put in the low income units, not the very low on which they get the density bonus, but the low income that are our requirement. We don't have to do that. We can. We have alternatives. I'm going to be bringing that back to this body. I want to see this housing built. And what I worry about is when we do the funding, we do a great job as a city, but it takes a long time to gather the money to build affordable units. And I, I hear your passion, the people that came out tonight to say, we want our working neighbors to have a place to live. We don't want this just to be an elite city. And I feel that really, really strongly. I could have moved to Walnut Creek a long time ago and I didn't do it because I like an integrated city and I like diversity. So I think we're really, you know, kind of, we need to go back and look at these tools again. And I'm just gonna say that to my colleagues here because it's constantly frustrating to people that they wanna see more affordability and they don't know why we can't get it. Um, the other area that I'm interested in exploring is this open space area. I appreciate the open space in the courtyard is beautiful, but it's not for the public. And I think we really have to think hard, long and hard about how we do plantings. I kind of like the design of this building does have a really nice array, and I think it will look really nice for the public. But I have seen a lot of examples in Berkeley where like all the open spaces inside the building, it's a roof deck for people to have parties or whatever, does not help the neighborhood at all. We lack in D4, we have no park other than the Civic Center Park. 
we have, are extremely underparked, and we are the district that's having the most growth in density. Um, we need open space for people to live. We need air and light and trees. And I just think that we're kind of going about this open space thing the wrong way. But in this case, I really like the design. So it's it's a, a thing for me that we're, we're, a lot of you are commenting on policy when there's, but it's not so much about this building, it's about our failure to tackle these issues. And I promise you that I'm gonna tackle them. So I just wanna thank everyone for coming out tonight. And I'd like to move with that amendment that I offered, um, that is to project shall maintain loading zone areas on California, only adjacent to the southern portion of the parcel with placement and length of loading zone to be city to be determined on city traffic engineer approval. Second. Second. Is that by the that's a motion to go ahead and move. Okay. We have a motion okay. a second. And does that complete your comments? Yes, it does. Thank you. Okay. I'm gonna go next. And uh, I thought we had agreement that the applicant's commitment and representation tonight that they would request that the um, util that the utility box be um, removed, but that's something they request from transportation. They made that commitment tonight and um, uh, commitments or representations the applicant makes in public hearing can be added as conditions of approval. I'd like to offer this as a friendly amendment. Yes, that's very acceptable. Okay. Thank you. And the seconder was? I was a seconder. <laughs> yes. Okay, thank you. And the motion the motion is to um, reject the appeal and approve the uh, use permit with those uh, additional conditions. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Uh, Councilor Hahn, then Humbert. Yes, I also wanted to offer a friendly amendment. The question of maintenance of all this lovely landscaping really does not fall to the developer. They just install. Um, and I know that um, the, the Trachtenberg architecture firm usually puts very nice landscaping in. Um, but I think it would be good to have a con in the conditions of approval, a requirement that the landscaping be regularly maintained because that's gonna fall on whoever operates this building long-term. And so I'd like it to be in the conditions of approval that that be a requirement. I, I like that amendment quite a lot. I just I would want to ask the city attorney if there's any issue because it's a different party than the party agreeing to the development. Well, it's it would be in the conditions of approval, okay. and, that, and that that travels with the property. But of course, happy to. I actually uh, do want to look at this issue for a moment um, just to make sure that we have sufficient nexus to require it, and also hear from the applicant. If, if they're amenable to it. Well, I mean, we certainly intend to maintain the landscape. Um, um, I, I don't know what kind of uh, details that would be or, um, I mean. Yeah, uh, 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 yeah. Are we talking about a condition that runs with the land that they would just, I think I need a little bit more clarity about this idea before. Right, in the conditions of approval. For example, we often have a condition of approval that the hours of operation of a business are from 6 a.m. till 8 p.m. And it doesn't matter who owns the building five years from now or 10 or 30, that's a condition of approval. And it's always it always applies to whoever the owner is. 
I mean, I've seen a lot of conditions that that aren't just about the actual building of the property, but also about how it's going to be operated. But um, so I was just trying to lock it in because um, these may be responsible owners, but they'll sell it at some point, and then we don't know who the next owner is. Um if you don't mind, I just want to get a little bit more clarity and actually look at the plans that we're talking about to see and talk to the planning department. So sure. can we just take a break maybe for like five minutes and I'll take a look at the issue? Uh, well, we do have several other council members that would like oh, to speak okay. so we can go ahead with the speaker's queue. And if we need Sounds to take good. a break thereafter, we can certainly do so. I think we are overdue for a caption a break. Yeah, um, great. And I really just wanted to second um, council member um, Harrison's comments, uh, just really a strong appreciation for everyone's interest in housing affordability. And I will say that I would very much also like to require the 20% affordable on site. Um, there, there's, there's arguments on both sides, but um, in a city that has very few locations for all affordable buildings, we have, and, and, and those buildings compete with market rate buildings for purchase of land, if we can get affordable units in the buildings that are being built all over Berkeley at the time they're built, I personally think that that is the win that we should have. So um, I very much support that, Councilmember Harrison, and maybe our colleagues will support it as well. Let's hope so. I just say on that point, we are conducting an economic feasibility analysis I do think we need to look at something like that for, uh, as part of that analysis because you have to factor in construction costs, you have to factor in um, land costs, and I'm all in favor of having as much on-site affordable housing as possible. I We helped write Measure O. We've financed 1,000 de-restricted affordable units over the past five years, but I also want to see things get built, and so I think we have to balance, look at, look at that balance. Um, so that's definitely something I think would, we probably need to look in the context of the feasibility study also. Um, Councilmember Humbert. Yes, thank you, Mr. Mayor. And um, I really like the motion as, as amended uh, at this point. Um, similar to the previous project, I understand why the neighbors are concerned by this proposal. It would represent a very significant change from what's there today. But having said this, I haven't seen any evidence presented here tonight that leads me to believe the project is out of compliance in any way with our local zoning code and the density bonus applied. And under state law, we really don't have any wriggle room or discretion to compel this project to be smaller or less dense, nor do I think that trying to do so would serve our housing affordability or climate goals. I'd like to thank staff for really doing a great job, I think, of laying out the reasons why this project is compliant and why the appeal points don't um, uh, present a valid reason to deny it. Uh, I, I think the ZAB uh, decided rightly when they unanimously voted to move the project forward. And so for these reasons, I intend to uphold the decision of ZAB and will be voting to deny the appeal and in favor of Council Member Harrison's motion, which I was competing to second. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. We'll go next to Vice Mayor Bartlett. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. And uh, thank you, uh, Councilor Harrison, for your 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 deft um, handling of this issue in your district. 
very um very inspiring and uh your committee members your constituents are well served by you and i'm happy to support your motion um i just want to say that I, it, from from myself in our office you know so much of uh our perspective in terms of development and in terms of many of our policies i try to uh make them work in terms of economic development um for the people and to leverage our 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 increasing abundance to create greater prosperity for the community, uh, whether that's for for jobs, with workers, uh, the people in the stores who go in the buildings, um, and a building like this is just you know under normal circumstances, uh, I would really want to see um, some good labor standards um, with with high incomes and tied to job training. In other words, what we passed um, a few months ago. So this is outside that timeline, but I do say for the record that going forward, uh, we should we should anticipate every project uh, being used to create uh, new wealth with new people via the job via the hard hard hat the hard hats ordinance and anything else we can think of to that effect. Thank you, Councilor Kesarwani. Thank you very much, Mr. Mayor. I also want to thank uh, Councilmember Harrison for the motion. I did just want to uh, clarify something because I, if I understood correctly, some of my colleagues were suggesting a requirement uh, to have inclusionary housing at the 20% level on site. And my understanding is legally we cannot do that. We have to provide the fee out option. Mr. Klein, can you please clarify? Uh, so our current ordinance does provide multiple pathways for compliance with uh, with our inclusionary housing requirements, and that I think that ordinance was designed to provide multiple pathways in order to you know be most defensible um, and and be in compliant and stay in compliance with, um, frankly, what has been evolving case law and state law on this issue. Okay, thank you very much. That's all I have. Um, okay, I'm gonna go to our city attorney to ask if she has a- Yes, thank you so much. Question. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. So we uh, had a chance to talk to the planning department and clarify, we were trying to figure out the areas that are private property versus public property. And a condition is proper to, and it runs with the land to um, ensure that the maintenance happens by the developer or the successors in interest. Um, and just to clarify, and I think Jordan may wanna jump in, there's another area where there's street trees and that area is to be maintained by the city. Yeah, thank you. Um, I just, um... It is our practice to require that any uh, landscaping on the parcel that is depicted in the project plans that are approved be maintained for the duration of the project. Uh, so that is that is an existing practice. That um, in law uh, conditions. It's I, I believe it's codified as um, as compliance with with the approved plans. Okay. And I'm not sure, Samantha, do you know if we have an existing standard condition of approval on that? Um, yes, the condition of approval, um, I believe is number 64, compliance with approved plan, project shall conform to the plans and statements in the use permit, 
all landscape site, site and architectural improvements shall be completed per the attached approved drawings, unless modified by conditions of approval. Thank, thank you, Samantha. That's great. And so as far as, as, as we're aware, the, the only landscaping in the public right of way that might be associated with the project would be street trees, and those would be maintained by Parks Recreation Waterfront. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's nothing about what happens after they put the landscaping in. Um, I guess our practice may be, yes, you have to maintain it, but there's nothing explicitly that requires the applicant or whoever takes ownership of the property in at some future point to maintain the landscaping. Um, so I guess my question is, sounds like city attorney said that that's not a problem um, with respect to the parts that are on the subject property. Is there a problem from planning staff's perspective of codifying that in condition 64? No, that's okay. no problem. We'll yeah. work on additional language. Make sure. Um, okay. Um, so back to you, Councilor Hahn. Yes, so I'll just ask again, ask the motion maker, would she accept um, a friendly amendment to require that the landscaping specified in the plans, which has to be installed per the plans, also, uh, there be a, an explicit requirement that the landscaping be maintained in perpetuity. Yes, thank you for that amendment. Thank you. We're happy to agree to that as well. We, we always intended to, uh, to maintain it, just um, new territory hadn't thought about um, how that would work or whatever, but um, absolutely. Thank you. I'll just say that this is an issue. We have had projects, I won't name names, where, we have approved landscaping and pots are empty, things are broken, things just fall apart. And um, I don't think that's the intent. Um, so I really appreciate the applicant's willingness to agree to that. Um, okay, that's acceptable to the maker and the seconder. Uh, sure, I just hope the people in perpetuity comply. <laughs> Um, okay, uh, so that's also added as an um, as a friendly amendment, um, and I think that'd be a re revised uh, condition sixty four, most likely, right? Okay. Um, okay. Are there, I'll just say uh, I I appreciate Mr. Sire being here today to talk about the impact that um, not having uh, fair wages and healthcare standards for people that are building these buildings, large construction projects in Berkeley, um, and the rising cost of housing, the impact that that has um, on our construction workforce. Um, and I appreciate Councilman Bartlett's comments as well. Um, uh, unfortunately, this project is not subject to our hard hats ordinance. That will take effect uh, uh, January 1st of 2024. Uh, but um, you know, I do hope going forward that applicants will think about whether they can voluntarily commit to some of the labor standards that we have adopted, unanimously adopted, the city council adopted. Um, also building housing is also critical to make sure that people who are uh, part of our construction workforce can afford to live in the cities that they're working in as well. Uh, so um, we definitely wanna continue Berkeley's progress towards building more housing, but we also wanna make sure that we are um, uh, investing in high, high, high wage, high road jobs for people um, and that we are um, 
uh, creating uh, employment opportunities for people in our communities to enter this important workforce. So, um, also, are there any other questions or comments? If not, we have a motion and we have a second, um, which is to um, uh, deny the appeal and approve the use permit with the revised conditions that were uh, included tonight. Let's call the roll. Councilmember Kestarwani? Yes. Taplin? Yes. Bartlett? Yes. Harrison? Yes. On? Yes. Wengraff? Yes. Robinson? Yes. Humbert? Yes. And Mayor Aragine? Yes. Okay. Okay. You have your use permit. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone, for being here tonight. Thank you for engaging in our process in a civil manner. Um, and um, with that, um, as this is a special meeting, we will not take public comment on non-agenda matters. I'll make a motion to adjourn. Second. Let's call the roll and adjourn, please. Councilmember Kesarwani? Yes. Kaplan? Yes. Bartlett? Yes. Harrison? Yes. On? Yes. Wengraff? Yes. Robinson? Yes. Humbert? Yes. And Mayor Aragine? Yes. Thank you. Okay, thank you. We're adjourned.